Excellent. Welcome to the May 1st OA RISE meeting of Overeaters Anonymous. My name is Alice. I'm a compulsive eater, anorexic, and bulimic. Oops, lost my place. And your host for this meeting. OA RISE stands for Recovery Inspires Shared Experiences, and we are glad that you are here. As we as with all OA meetings, OA RISE is run entirely by OA members who are volunteering their time to make this meeting happen. On occasion, there are glitches in online meetings that cannot be anticipated. Please bear in mind that we are doing our best, so we act that you take your negative reactions to your sponsors. However, we are happy to hear from you if you would like to provide us with some kind of constructive feedback. Thank you for your support. Let's open with the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Thy will not mine be done. And I need to find my script again. As we extend the heart and hand of the OA Fellowship to those who still suffer, let us be mindful of OA's unity with diversity policy, which respects our differences yet unites us in the solution of our common problem. Whatever problem you may have with food, you are welcome at this meeting. Um, would someone like to read the OA preamble? Raise your electronic hand. I believe it's being shared on the screen. Sherry, you're muted. So sorry. That's okay. Normally we ask people before the meeting starts if uh, if they have the preamble. And so we don't have it to screen share. Sorry, we got off and running there without asking people who could do readings. Is there anybody who has the preamble handy? Do you have it in the script, Alice? I actually do. Why don't we I'm do that? Gonna... Yeah. Okay. I'm just going to read it myself. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. This is a speaker meeting. At this time, all attendees are muted. The meeting is being recorded so that an audio-only recording can be posted on the OARise.org website. I don't, is there a Q&A? I don't remember if there is. Nodding, excellent, okay. During the Q&A portion of this meeting, if you have a question for the speakers but do not want your voice to be heard on the recording, please send your question to the co-host through the chat and we will read your question for you. Here are a few tips in participating in this Zoom meeting. The chat feature is currently turned off and it will remain so until the end of the meeting. You may chat with any of the co-hosts if you need assistance. Please note that the speakers are only listed as co-hosts so they 
have ease of access of the use of the Zoom features. They will not be able to respond to questions in the chat. So if you have any questions or concerns during the meeting, please communicate with the OA RISE host or co-hosts only. You can change your name as it appears on Zoom. To do this, click on the participants tab at the bottom of the screen and a list of attendees will open in the window pane. Select your name, click on the tab that says more and choose rename. If you're willing, please add your geographical location after your name so we will see where everyone is from. Out of courtesy for the other attendees and the speakers, if you get up and move around during the meeting, if you need to eat, check your phone or talk to someone who is in the room with you, please turn off your video feed so that your actions will not be distracting to others. If it is necessary, we may turn off your video feed, but we will happily turn it back on when you are ready. Just send a message in chat to any of the co-hosts and we will enable your video again. Please note that specific foods may be mentioned at this meeting. We will take a moment at the, at the top of the first and second hour to pause, uh, stop the recording and do a seventh tradition but we don't plan to take a formal break. So if you need to, um, you know, take care of yourself and, and take breaks when you need. And finally, just as a reminder, the opinions expressed here today are those of the individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. Um, can I please have a volunteer to read the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous? Anyone? Sorry, I had everybody muted. So if there's anybody who can, they can speak up. Thank oh, you, Nancy. Great. Hey, everybody. I'm a compulsive overeater recovered um, from Ann Arbor, Michigan. Here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives have become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. And 10, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will and the power to carry that out. In 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcohol to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks. Thank you, Nancy. Uh, can we have someone who's willing to read the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous? If you give me a sec, I can do that. Thank you. Shockingly, my book wasn't next to me. Hang on a sec. I'm a compulsive overeater. My name is Jan. 
and these are the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants, they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive reader who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. According to our seventh tradition, we are self-supporting through our own contributions. We send all contributions in excess of our expenses directly to World Service Office to help carry the message to other compulsive eaters. Our meeting expenses are a Zoom subscription and OA Rise website, which includes the cost of extra storage so we can upload the speaker recordings for you. Contributions can be made by PayPal at the email address info at oarise.org, or you can visit our website, oarise.org, and click Contribute Now button, which is easily found on our home screen. Suggested donation of $3 will allow OA Rise speaker meetings to continue and the information has been posted in the chat. It is now my great pleasure to introduce our first speaker for today, Susan G, who will, no, not first speaker. Remind me. No, but I'm going to chat, oh, chat for Susan a moment. Susan G, okay. Who's gonna take over the meeting and speak to, oh, sorry. Life will take on new meaning. Take it away, Susan. I'm going to take myself off a of spotlight very, very quickly. Hi, I'm Susan, recovered compulsive overeater in Los Angeles, who's very tired as I flew back from Houston, Texas this morning. So I've been up since 4 p 4 a.m. Central time, but that's okay. I'm having another cup of tea. Thank you, first of all, OA Rise, for this opportunity. I've been to several of your events, and this isn't an all-women's meeting, so if there are men here, that is, of course, fabulous as always. Um, but I seem to have put together some of my favorite Spice Girls for you to hear today. So we won't actually sing. I don't know if any of them are good singers. If they are, they'll go for it. So life will take on new meaning is what I see as you see the light return in others' eyes, which is one of the reasons why I chose the line. And if you are new, of course, welcome to Overeats Anonymous. And there is a chapter in the AA Big Book, which is the text that we mainly read from. And there's a chapter in there, chapter seven, working with others on page 89. And it says, life will take on new meaning. So for me, that means I'm going to have 
a sense of purpose in a whole different way than I've ever experienced. And here it is, to watch people recover, to see them help others, to watch loneliness vanish, to see a fellowship grow up about you, to have a host of friends. This is an experience you must not miss. We know you will not want to miss it. Frequent contact with newcomers and with each other is the bright spot of our lives. And, you know, to watch people recover, also families change. You'll hear stories today, not just about how we've changed or how we sponsor people. And on April 2nd in the 24-hour day book, it just says the first section, it says, since I've been in AA, so we can paraphrase OA, have I made a start towards becoming more loving to my family and friends? Do I visit my parents? Am I more appreciative of my spouse than I was before? Am I grateful to my family for having put up with me? Have I found real understanding with my children? Do I feel that the friends I found in OA are real friends? Do I believe that they are always ready to help me? And do I want to help them if I can? Do I really care now about other people? And that's written in italics. And that's the section, right? That life will take on new meaning, which you will hear from our speakers today. So first of all, we're going to go to Northern California to my friend, Aaliyah. And Aaliyah, how would you like your 20 minutes? How would you like me to give you your warnings? Could I just do a five and one? Sure, absolutely. Okay, well, over to you. Thank you for being here today. Thank you, Susan. My name is Aaliyah, I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, thank you, OA Rise. It's an honor and privilege to be here. Um, wow. You know, when I when I heard about the line, life will take on new meaning, I too went straight to the big book and working with others and read that paragraph and um, to watch people recover, you know, to see them help others, to watch loneliness vanish, to see a fellowship grow up about you, to have a host of friends. This is an experience you must not miss, a must, you know, you must not miss this. And I have the chills right now because I can't believe that that actually happened to me. You know, like that actually happened. I'm a six month old baby in this program. I'm just barely learning how to sit up, you know, getting my first tooth. Like I got recovered uh, finally after two and a half years in my home group of a vision for you big book study, OA big book study uh, with over 30 sponsors with over hundreds of starts and stops um, of trying to get this thing. On October 5th of 2021, I surrendered all. And I said, okay, I'm in. I jumped all in and um, I joined you all, you know? And, and thinking about like what it was like before that experience, I was riddled with jealousy and resentment towards all of you. Like you all had this thing, you all had recovery and, but you just didn't understand. My life is so different. I'm so unique. Like you're not a widowed parent of three small school-aged children. You're not dealing with grief and with kids that have lost their father tragically. You know, like you are not having to make their lunches and take them to basketball and pick them up and be the sole provider for three small children. How dare you tell me, you know, to do all these things like you don't understand. And I was so resentful. And when Zoom, when the pandemic happened and I came on to Zoom, I would see you all and I would sit in the back and I would listen while I was doing other things and turn my camera off. And I was just 
I would hear certain voices, you know, big name voices, and I would send them a text or call them and they wouldn't call me back. And I would just be even riddled with more resentment and jealousy, like, see, you know, like, see, I'm, I'm not a part of this thing. And, um, what happened was that I got humbled, <laughs> uh, you know, um, food beat me into a state of reasonableness. Um, I didn't have any other option. And what it was like, was like, there was a swimming pool and there was a fence around it and yard lawn chairs and people hanging out and we're at this party and a baby was drowning, you know? And they said, are you willing to go to any lengths? What lengths are you willing to go to, to go save that baby? And if that was my child, I'd be willing to do anything. I would be willing to do anything, turn my camera on, make three calls a day, go to a meeting, do a four step, put down all my alcoholic food ingredients. Like I would be willing to do anything to rescue that baby. And then they told me that baby is you, Aaliyah, you're dying. You're dying in the quicksand of selfishness, resentment, self-pity and fear. You know, you're dying in this, in this, ugly, ugly, permanent, fatal, progressive illness that just, you know, is just pulling you down. Like, what are you willing to do? And finally, I just came to my knees and I said, I'm willing to do anything, you know, because I'm dying and my kids only have one parent left and it's me. And my head has been buried in the sand for eight years of sobriety and AA. And I couldn't be of real use to anyone. You know, I was yelling at my kids, raging at them, hiding out in meetings for two and a half years, trying to get recovery trying to get this thing so hard, you know, but I was unwilling to do the, the very first thing, which was put down the food. God can do a lot of things, but God cannot come down and take the bag of potato chips out of my hand. I had to meet God there. You know, I had to be willing to follow a food plan prescribed from a nutritionist, because guess what? When it comes to food, I've lost the power of choice. I'm a critical level food addict. When food is concerned, I can't make decisions. I've lost the power of choice. I am powerless. There are certain foods and food behaviors that I do that once I start, I can't stop. Once I put them into my body, it creates a phenomenon of craving and I don't get out of the cage with the gorilla until the gorilla says so. You know, I don't know if it's gonna be tomorrow. I don't know if it's gonna be next year. One relapse in November of 2020, lasted until October of 2021. And I gained 50 pounds. Um, it was progressive. I never thought I would go over, you know, 225, I hit 250. And, you know, by the grace of God, when I focused on my recovery, I lost the weight. You know, if I focus on the weight, I'll lose my recovery. And I just focused on my recovery. They told me to weigh once a month and to focus on your recovery, to follow your food plan, like your life depends on it in the beginning, because it actually did, because this thing wanted to kill me. You know, I was drowning. I was in the quicksand. And so what happened for me, I was sitting here this morning and I was thinking, how has my life really taken on new meaning? What has really happened? And I read that paragraph and I was like, Oh my God, that happened to me. A fellowship has grown up about me. When I came all the way in, sat all the way down with my camera on, started calling you guys, started, you know, being of service to my home and my family and not hiding out in meetings all the time, like the miracle happened for me. You know, like you guys 
have held my hand where I had one hand in God and one hand in fellows and you walked me through the steps into this path of freedom. You know, this freedom from the self-centered life, you know, from the self-centered fear. And so, you know, like I've had to go to page 417 in the big book over and over and over and over again. You know, acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. When I find this situation unacceptable to me, that God saw fit to make me a single mom and to raise three kids, one who happened to be, you know, diagnosed with a mental health disorder, get suspended, you know, he's been suspended 10 times since I got abstinent. You know, they want to expel him. You know, he cusses me out on a weekly basis. You know, the cops have been called. You know, like um, life has gotten really hard, but my reaction to him has changed. My acceptance of, okay, God, I am not the director. I do not know his lines. I don't know what's going to happen because of all this, you know, chaos and turmoil. Like, I think it should be different. You know, I think that my life should be easy since my husband died. I think I should have kids that behave and that treat me with respect and don't cuss me out, you know, like, and like, that's, that's what I think. And like, through this process of the steps and through the surrender of page 417 that I go to almost on a daily basis of acceptance and gratitude for what I do have, I'm able to say, okay, you know, with my hands wide open, okay. And I'm in acceptance that my life is exactly as it is because if it if it was supposed to be different, it would be, and it's not, you know. Um, and I shared recently that it was like childbirth, you know. There's nowhere to run. The baby's coming, you know. The baby's coming, and I just have to breathe into the pain, you know. And like developing a relationship with a higher power is like with infinite power, with infinite love that cares about me, that's holding me. Like I've learned how to lean into that power instead of the false comfort of food, you know, like the, the false ease and comfort I got for about eight seconds for it to run its course through the home hormones, through my brain neural pathways, eight seconds of comfort, you know, that would just dig a deeper and deeper and deeper hole into my life. You know, it felt like it was digging a hole into my soul and I needed a God to fill that, you know, I need a God that was infinite to fill that hole in my soul and to lean in when the, when the pain came, because guess what? <laughs> it came, you know, with my son, um, you know, it's been hard, but, you know, working with others and developing relationship with other compulsive overeaters, guess what? Like you were the people that I called when I took my trip to Thanksgiving. You know, I had about uh, six weeks abstinent. I was on my ninth step and um, I was, I was terrified. You know, I was, it was a first time traveling with my food scale. You know, I weigh and measure my food. Um, and, and then the scale, like the tools were my God in the beginning. The tools were the scaffolding that I was building while I was building this arch to freedom. You know, I was putting the keystone in step two and laying the foundation of willingness, um, you know, and the keystone in step three, the cornerstone in step two. Um, I was building this arch to freedom, but I needed the tools. And you guys, your phone calls would come. I live in Northern California in the huge redwoods. We don't get service a lot of the time and someone would call right when I had service and I would talk to you, you know, and I went to my in-laws to um, my husband passed eight years ago. He drowned in the river when I had six months sober in AA and um, 
And I got really resentful at his family that his family not once has come to visit me. They don't call his children. You know, they've never driven up here and I drive down there every year to go see them on Thanksgiving. And I realized that in this resentment, I had a part in it, right? Like I had a part in this resentment and I made ideals in my sixth and seventh step. How do I want to show up today as their daughter-in-law, you know, as a, as a sister-in-law, as, as my, um, husband's family, like member, how do I want to show up today? And it's not about them changing, you know, they're, they're not going to change. They're going to be who they are. And I got to go to them and say, you know, Hey, I've been really selfish in like keeping, you know, my kids away from you guys, you know, um, how can I, how can I nurture this relationship? What can I do? And they're like, you know, it'd be nice to hear from you more. You know, it would be nice to maybe do a, a Zoom call, you know, and, and making amends to his family um, and acknowledging the wrong that I did in my marriage when my husband was still alive because it was contentious. There were some things happening and they knew about it and was never addressed. Um, I was able to make amends for my behavior and the most beautiful thing happened you know, I felt forgiveness from my, my deceased husband. And I had been to his gravesite. I had made amends to him. I've written letters. I left it at the river. And I just carried this guilt and the shame for seven and a half years. And when I made amends to his family, I felt this burden lift. And now I have this altar behind me and I go to it and I light the candle and I have my little thing that I ding and I ask and I call on his spirit to help me, you know, to help our children because it is, it's really hard. I'm not going to deny that, you know, and, uh, but I've been able to like access like this spirit, you know, into the spirit world because I'm not clouded with food, you know, I'm not just thinking about like what, you know, the excuse was, hey kids, do you want to go get ice cream? you know, oh, you guys want to go to Tony's, the 24-hour restaurant, or do you guys want to go to the store? You know, that was always the question because I needed to get my fix, you know, because I needed, you know, just to not feel. The only thing I could feel was stuffed. When I'm stuffed, I don't get to feel anything else besides stuffed. You know, who wants to feel the pain, you know? And this, this miracle happened when I just jumped in, you know, and said, I'm willing to do, do it all. And you guys came with me. I remember, um, that Saturday morning, I go to a meeting called Cornwall on Saturday morning. And after the meeting, I went to go away, measure my breakfast and my scale broke. And I had made one amends and I had two more amends to make. And my sponsor was like, Ali, it's not all about the scale. Like, this is about trusting God. Like, do you have any measuring cups? You know, do you know what a portion looks like? Take a picture, send it to me. But first pray, like pray, pray, pray and ask God to come in and just show me what you're going to eat and go buy your scale later. This is about being of service to his family right now, not how much your food weighs. And I was terrified. I was like, but you know, I did it down to the point zero, zero. And if I didn't get it perfect and I had this like revelation, it's like, yes, I partner with God. Yes. I show God that I'm willing by taking an action and then God shows up with the power. I do have to take action, but there's these things that I thought I was doing 
that was getting me abstinent, you know, and, and this freedom that I was given. But I learned in that moment, like, what, where is my true trust and reliance? You know, is it on the scale being perfect? And in that, and, and I do like to weigh and measure and I do do it to the point zero, zero, but in the, you know, like, really, like, what am I trusting and relying upon in that moment? You know, the scale was broke. I had no other choice. I had to eat and I had to go make this amends. We were on a schedule. I have three kids and I got to really like <laughs> put my money where my mouth was and like lean into God. And you know what? I was okay. I went and bought the scale after I made the amends, weighed my dinner and on we went, you know, and, um, you know, and I was thinking uh, on this topic too, I, I got, um, referred to page 27 in my meditation this morning, and it talked about um, vital spiritual experiences. They appear to be in the nature of huge emotional displacements and rearrangements, ideas, emotions, and attitudes, which were once the guiding force of the lives of these people are suddenly cast to one side and a completely new set of conceptions and motives begin to dominate them. Change, you know, like I've changed by the grace of God, the power of God, uh, and the 12 steps, like I've changed. Um, and what are those conceptions? Five minutes, Celia. Thank you, Susan. And what are those motives? You know, it's how can I be of service today? How can I be helpful to my family today? You know, it's not, it's not always sitting on a meeting, you know, it's doing the dishes. You know, it's making them dinner. And I really struggle. I've gotten addicted to 12-step recovery. And I can sit here all day and feel really good with my head in the clouds. But I am sure that God wants my feet firmly planted on the ground, you know, at home with my children and being present. And that's part of my ideals, too, as a parent is to be present with them, you know, to be calm yet firm. And um I don't do it perfectly. It's spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. I'm human. Life is overwhelming. It is very stressful. Um, I can't even begin to tell you how overwhelming and stressful my life is as a single mom of three small children and working. And now we just adopted a dog. I don't know how that happened, but she literally is like the other part of my soul that I didn't know was missing. And um, it's, it's just, it's been a remarkable transformation and it's only, it's only begun. You know, I'm, I'm a six month old baby learning how to sit up and have my first tooth, like I said, and I can't wait to hear from all of you with years of experience and to hear the transformation that's happened and how life has taken on new meeting for you all. And I think with that, I'm going to end early. Thank you. Thank you, Elias, so much. So what we want to do is we want to keep this interactive because we know it can be a bit of a yawn fest if you just have to sit here silent for three hours. So Aaliyah actually can't stay with us till the end because she is a mom and she has to go and be with her children. So we're going to take a few questions at this time, especially if you are new. I urge you to raise your hand um, if you're confused about anything that's going on, if you came in late. If you don't understand any of the statements that maybe Aaliyah can translate them for you. So do we have any questions at this time? And if you are shy, please private message in the chat and I won't say who you are. And okay. Is this daily or weekly OA rise? I'm not sure somebody's asking. Um, I think you go ahead, Sherry. It's, uh, it's the first and third Saturday or sorry, Sunday of every month. So it's and twice a month, first and third Sunday. 
and they have different topics and it's recorded. Okay, Aaliyah, here is a question. What does your morning prayer meditation practice look like? Amazing question. Um, the first moment that I notice that I'm actually awake, you know, I give thanks to the creator for the gift of breath of life. And after that, I hit my, actually, I usually go to the bathroom. And when I come back, I hit my knees and I say my steps one, two, and three out loud. I have to admit it out loud and it feels very rote, but it's like, I have to acknowledge my powerlessness that there is a God that can, if I seek that God and I, you know, turn my will, my life, my thinking, my actions over to the care of that power every morning. I say the third step prayer. I now then go make uh, some water and let the dog out and look outside and say, oh, good morning uh, to God. And then I come back and I do, um, I try to do 30 minutes of um, 15 to 20 minutes, you know, of uh, meditation. I have my three daily readers. I journal a letter to God every day. You know, I write out my gratitudes and I get connected. And then I try to sit and listen in about 10 minutes of meditation to hear, you know, um, I do the uh, on awakening reading of the big book on page 86. And I try to listen for direction. And then I just write those directions down like, oh yeah, I have to make chicken or make the pot of rice or, you know, do this meeting today. And after that, I ask God to please guide and direct my thinking, my vision, my speech and my heart and fill it with compassion, love, kindliness, tolerance, patience, and forgiveness for myself and others. And then I ask for God for strength to go out to do God's bidding. And that's my morning. Thank you. And Aaliyah, can you leave your contact information in the chat to everyone? And hold on, let me read the chat. Oh, one last question. Can you share about the first time you noticed you were calm with your babies instead of yelling? There's a good question. Yeah, that's an uh, excellent question. It, it took a while. Uh, it took a while. Um, you know what it took? It took a lot of pain. It took a lot of doing it wrong and realizing, um, wow, I didn't like the consequence of that. You know, I don't want to do another 10 step on that. Like I actually had the, the police called um, and came to my house um, CPS at the, and when I was withdrawn and detoxing from food, it was crazy, you know? And I realized like, I don't want to put my kids through this anymore. And when I saw it, when I got into enough pain and when I did it so many times, abstinently feeling it wholeheartedly, I was able in that moment to make another choice and to turn to God instead. Uh, I don't know when it was the first time, um, but I know it was a probably a few weeks to a few months of being um, into my abstinence and working the steps. Thank you, Elias, so much. So Elias numbers in the chat. Unfortunately, she can only stay with us about another 20 minutes, but thank you, Elias, so much. So what we'll do is we'll move on and hopefully at the end, there'll be some time for some sharing that we can hear how your life has taken on new meaning. So now from Northern California, fasten your seatbelts. We're going to go to the Midwest, which some say is the best. And we're going to go over and hear my lovely friend, Michelle M. And Michelle, how would you like your time? Uh, two minutes, Susan, that would be great. All right, Lily, one of my cats is. Okay, let me just turn on the timer. 
All right. Hi, everybody. My name is Michelle M. Gratefully Recovered Compulsive Overeater. And I am very grateful to be here with you all today. And thank you for everybody doing service. And thank you for allowing me to be of service today. Um, okay. Just to start off by qualifying in, I have an abstinence date of February 1st, 2021. I work with a sponsor, I currently sponsor. Uh, and by the grace of God, one day at a time, this program has brought me back from the gates of death completely, uh, complete and total psychic change. My life, I sometimes describe it as a fairy tale now, uh, how different it feels compared to what it used to be. So I'm gonna start off by sharing some before pictures. Uh, this is me in my disease over various different years. Um, you will see, you know, down here on this bottom, it's one of my favorites because it was so candid uh, with how miserable I was. Uh, that's my uncle who is very, very close. And yes, I got his permission to use this picture. Um, but you'll see here, what strikes me is not only the, the death in my eyes, but every event, every place that I showed up at, whether it was a family event, work, seeing friends, bailing on friends, I operated off of two concepts. The first was, what can you give me, right? What am I going to get from you? And two was the defense of, what are you going to take from me? What can you give me and what are you going to take from me? And I let nobody in. I'm going to pause um, that and I'll show you my pictures, my other pictures later. I, I was attracted to food at a very, very young age. Um, I do believe I was born a compulsive overeater. And, you know, all human beings possess normal human emotions. But somewhere along the line, my brain made the connection that food makes it suck a little bit less. And if I keep going to the food, everything else will feel nice and numb. And the problem is with, you know, any substance is the second you put it in, you don't feel it, but you also can't feel any of the joy, any of the celebration, any of the excitement, any of the love. I think of my life before program and recovery and be, being in a recovered state of mind and body as someone who was in a, um, almost like a glass box, just watching life happen throughout, uh, around me. I couldn't feel anything and I couldn't give and anything that I give came off in a restless, irritable and discontented manner. My day was operated by when I can get the next bite. My, I have two cats, right? I had a real issue with um, online food ordering. My phone would ring and my cats would run because they knew that food was coming to my door. I didn't show up for responsibilities, yet I thought I was the nicest person I knew. And genuinely, I did. I, you know, I don't mean to say like, let's bash Michelle or anything, but I genuinely, that was what I was capable of. And um, throughout, uh, throughout all of my 20s, uh, I spent it in and out of different uh, rehabilitation programs for my binge and compulsive eating disorder. 
um, it was constantly fix me, fix me, fix me and never getting relief. And um, I spent a handful of years in OA before I had uh, gathered what was called this recovered state of mind and body, like it says in the big book. And um, those three years or those few years in Overeaters Anonymous, not experiencing that freedom felt like a lifetime. And I heard on a meeting earlier today, and I can't get it out of my head, is I had a head full of OA and a belly full of binge food. And the, the constant shame of it, right? And I had done a number of different abstinences. I had worked with a number of different sponsors. I had, I had even tried Weight Watchers while trying to practice OA. You know, I had signed myself up for hypnosis, um, I had started thinking about surgery. I was getting myself in debt constantly. I spent way too much money. I stole, whether it was food or just for the vicarious thrill. And last but certainly not least, I was just a big jerk um, to everybody in my life because I, I was so miserable inside. How can you produce love and comfort and, and something so genuine when it feels like there is a monster ravaging your body? So um, by the grace of God today, this is me in my recovered state of mind and body. <laughs> and you got the whole array here, right? These two were taken just yesterday. Um, and one of the things that I love and what I think about life takes on a new meaning, I got my silliness back. I got my joy back. I got my fun and let's just see where it goes. And, and when I say that and I say, get it back, I don't even know if I've ever experienced it like this before. Maybe I had little brief moments of it, but never like this. And it all comes down to one thing that I have done crucially different. Call it program or not, I follow what my higher power wants me to do. I'm not running the show anymore. I'm able to get my silliness and feel the freedom and breathe the fullest breath because I'm not the director anymore. And that has been a really hard pill to swallow of, hey, Michelle, your plans are great, but they're not wanted here and they don't make a difference, right? My best plans get me to being pre-diabetic. My best plans get me to being on cholesterol medication at 24 years old. My best plans has me thinking about walking out of work and honestly contemplating it, right? My highs are high, my lows are low. Everything is to the extreme. And when I finally got to this place of, I am done, right? I had gotten to the place of, I'm willing to try something, anything else. After I had what I had considered at the time abstinence for a year, I had a year of abstinence. I was abstaining from certain things, but not abstaining from other things. I had no idea what the big book had to say. I had never, uh, I really, I, I worked program the way I wanted to work program, the way Michelle thought program should be. And I celebrated my anniversary and I said, hooray, I did it. I abstained. And then um, 
you know, during COVID family tragedy struck. And even during that entire time of abstinence, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, like, is this recovery, right? Because naturally as an addict, I have to seek validation from everybody else around me or even, you know, even a human being, right? Like, tell me, am I doing it right? Like, is this supposed to feel okay? This is recovery, right? And the white knuckling for that entire year was so painful. By the time our family tragedy struck, my stepmom had passed away from a battle of cancer. I had two choices. You either fully surrender and you try something new and you take the hand of somebody else. And, and my, my current sponsor was showing up at um, a local meeting that I was going to and I wanted what she had. Or I could go numb out in the comfort of the food. And I had missed the food. It had been, it had been a year of not of abstaining from these certain items. And I said, okay, I'm out of ideas. I got nothing left. And I will keep going through this for the rest of my life unless I decide to surrender this control. And I took the hand of somebody else. I got in the boat with her. You know, I'm standing on the dock and she says from her boat, I love this little metaphor it was told to me once, you know, hop in the boat with me, you know, look at all these boats out here. We're all, we're all in our little recovered boat. Come, come join my boat, right? Everybody might sail a little bit differently, but we're all in the same water. We're all in a boat. And I'm over here on the dock going, what does your boat have? right? Like thinking I'm so superior because clearly what I have on this dock that's about to break is so important. And she told me, she said, these are my requirements uh, for, for working. And I said, let me think on it, right? Let me see if this broken dock, which probably has, you know, rotten nails and I'm going to die anyway, right? I'm going to, I'm going to die if I stay on the dock. And I said, this is going to be uncomfortable. This is going to be real uncomfortable. I'm going to do it anyway. And I did it. And my life has, has rocketed into a fourth dimension, just like it says. I love, in the big book, um, in the chapter, more about alcoholism on page 43, my old manner of life was by no means a bad one, but I would not exchange its best moments for the worst I have now. And I will say, I am learning every single day that this program does not mean we do not feel pain. It doesn't mean that every day, every week, every month is happy, joyous, free, skipping in sunshine and, you know, bliss. It's hard, but I will tell you from my truest experience, I genuinely wouldn't let go of this for even the best day that I had in the food. In terms of what my life looks like now, I show up, I, I have responsibilities, right? Like I did this, I did a meditation uh, last night and I thought, you know, well, what does 
my life have meaning? Like, what does that mean, Michelle? And I have a prayer rug in my room and I, and I, I put all my little stones out and all I could come up with was, I feel like my life didn't mean anything before. That's what my disease does to me. It tells me you mean nothing. You don't need to be here. No one's going to care if you go. Your parents, your family would be okay because it's too hard, right? I, I canceled my plans on everybody. They called me queen cancel. I mean, <laughs> I had to do plenty of amends for that. I was like Miss Unreliability. I stole from clothing stores and little shops. I stole from Disney World, right? The happiest place on earth. And yes, I made it amends. Lots of amends, <laughs> actually. And, and, you know, today, what's so different about today, and, and one of the things that I marvel about is I genuinely didn't do it. I had the opportunity to, uh, I shared in a previous meeting, I had an opportunity to take a little bit of extra money when a refund came back on something I returned and it was a little bit extra. And before I knew it, out of my mouth came, I'm so sorry, ma'am, but I think you credited me too much. And then I went, was I supposed to do that? Oh, I don't know. Like, of course, the disease tug of war a little bit, but no, this is the life that I get to live today. Honest. And when I go to bed honest, and when I walk through this life honest, that is the best gift to myself, right? I am really big into spa days and pampering myself. It is one of my favorite things that I like to do because for so many years, I wouldn't allow myself to do it. So every day, whether it's a Saturday or a Sunday or even both, and sometimes during the week, I do a facial, I take a bath, I light candles, I dance around my apartment and I, even if I had a bad day and I could be dancing around and swearing at times too, but but life has meaning now. Life has color. Life has movement versus before it was like, life, I want to squeeze the living daylights out of you. I want it to go my way. And if it doesn't go my way, I'm not going to accept it, right? Acceptance is our answer. And that has been drilled into my head multiple times this week. Very grateful for that message. Um, Let's see what else is coming up. I want to talk a bit on service as well. Um, life having meaning and, and that responsibility and showing up and being of service to others. I, when I first started working this program out of the big book and rigorously honest and putting down everything that I was an alcoholic to, I remember I said to my sponsor, I'll do it all, but I don't want to be a sponsor. Not for me. Count me out. And she said, well, how about we reevaluate that when we get to step 12? And I said, all right. And when we get to step 12, I will gladly tell you, count me out. I'm not here for it. And uh, I just remember hearing that like being of service is 
being of service, whether it's the form of a sponsor or picking up the phone, calling a newcomer or calling a recovered fellow, right? Calling a friend, uh, helping someone out at the grocery store even. You never know where you're gonna find a service opportunity. My life before program was all about me, like everybody in this room, right? Me, 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 me. I was very sickened with, with self-centeredness. My hopes, my dreams, my plans, everything was about me. And in those had nothing to do with helping other people. Yet I still thought I was the nicest person I knew. And, you know, the transformation of what I've experienced in this program is I don't look up, look at things so much as service anymore or like giving, like, what are you taking from me? It, it, I don't look at it like that anymore. I feel now I'm able to have genuine connections, genuine friendships. I'm able to help people by sharing what I've been through. And I'm able to learn from people by hearing what they have been through, right? Like this is, this is a learning, this is a lifelong learning program. We will always be learning in this program. And one of the pieces, and that is so fundamental is we have to be able to give of ourselves. And that is probably one of the biggest things that, have, that has changed in my recovery. I didn't wanna do anything for anybody. I've been able, thankfully, to repair relationships with my mom, my sister, my dad. I lived with my dad for nine months while I was getting abstinent. I'm in another program for that now, but <laughs> that's okay. You know, and I... Two minutes, Michelle. Thank you. I do believe that everybody, like it says in the big book, everybody with an honest desire to stop eating compulsively who is willing to be rigorously honest can have this psychic change and their life can be catapulted. I never in a million years thought that it would happen to me. I thought that I was truly the exception because that is how big of myself that I thought I was. And I am so grateful to be learning from everybody on this call uh, and to be humble to know that I am an infant, I'm a baby and um, just grateful. So with that, I pass. Thank you, Michelle, so much. I wanted to of the illness. Okay, all of our speakers today come from different sides of the illness. So I know that Aaliyah and, and myself and Michelle all come from larger numbers. Our next speaker is an anorexic. And then our speaker afterwards has gone from anorexia to being overweight, compulsive overeating. So there is something here for everybody. Um, before we go to the seventh tradition announcement, does anybody, we can take a couple of questions for Michelle, if anybody would like her to expand on anything that she said. Hold on, we have a question from Canada. Michelle, I heard you say at the beginning that you're gratefully recovered. I've heard people say that, and I've also heard people say, gratefully recovering, what is the difference? Yeah, you know, um, that wouldn't surprise me a couple of years ago when I heard that the first time. You know, it says in the big book, right at the beginning, um, it says we are 
about, I think it's a hundred men and women who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless disease, state of mind and body, state of mind. Thank you, Susan. Yeah, so th that comes from the big book. I promise you, I did not make it up. And when I think about recovered, right? Um, I think somebody who has gone through the 12 steps and has experienced the psychic change. Um, when I think recovering, you are working towards that psychic change, uh, going through the steps, maybe working them with a sponsor and being guided. Thank you, Michelle. And also to add to that, um, if you are new, there's something on page 52 in We Agnostics called The Bedevilments. They're the second full paragraph. And by the time we go on 32 pages to the 10th step promises, we are relieved of those bedevilments. We aren't having troubles anymore with personal relationships. We can control our emotional natures. We're no longer praised to misery and depression. So if you're not at that point, don't worry about it. But there's, um, you know, more to expand on that. And perhaps as the speakers go along, we will. Yes, Michelle will put her contact information in there. And last question is, um, one second. Can the speaker please expand on how her abstinence has evolved and food plan? We'll just be careful. We're, we're not nutritionists, so we don't want to get too much into other people's food. But go ahead, Michelle. Absolutely. So I will say um, the first thing is I am not an expert with my food, and I do work with a, a nutritionist uh, because. I would eat the whole kitchen <laughs> if it were up to me. I really genuinely would. I can speak a little bit on uh, the items I abstained from and, and how I got some assistance with that. You know, I, I personally abstain from a, a few different ingredients and also some items that have really just had a pull with me. And what I have experienced in program is um, when I was going through the steps, to be overly cautious, right? Like we have an allergy of the body, which means when that allergy gets triggered, we have that physical craving. And the way I look at it is like a stovetop burner. Um, you can have the stovetop on absolutely as high as it go. That flame is going crazy, right? You're eating, eating, eating all these crazy things. But if we don't let go of everything, you can turn it all the way down. Fire is still fire. It's still going, right? You got to shut that burner off. Let that pot of water cool down. Good one, right? <laughs> uh, all from God. Um, but yeah, I, I got some assistance with that. I took what was called a sober eating workshop. They have it on the LA Inner Group um, and they have a recording. For me, that changed the course of my recovery. And someone at that workshop said, you have willingness right now, hold on to it. You don't know when you're going to get it back. Um, so I'll leave it at that. Thanks. Thank you, Michelle. Um, Alice, do, would you, or Sherry, do you want to make the seventh tradition announcement so that people can donate? Yep, I'll do that. Thank you. 
Before we resume the meeting, we would like to take a brief moment to observe the seventh tradition and pass the virtual seventh tradition basket. According to our seventh tradition, we are self-supporting through our own contributions. Our OA Rise meeting expenses are a Zoom meeting subscription and the cost of the OA Rise website, which includes the cost of extra storage so we can upload the OA Rise speaker recordings for you. Contributions in excess of our meeting expenses will go directly to World Service Office to help carry the message to other compulsive eaters. A suggested donation of $3 will allow this meeting to continue. Contributions can be made via PayPal to our email address, info at oarise.org, or they can be made directly on our website. There's a contribute now button on our home screen. Both of these options will be put into the chat. We will take that pause now. Oh, we're doing that right now. All right. Thank you everyone for your contributions so we can keep OA Rise going. Absolutely. Take it away, Susan. <laughs> Thank you so much. Okay, so as I said, we're going to hear from people who have suffered in different ways. And now we are going to go over to my friend, Terry in Massachusetts, who is a recovered anorexic. Terry, do you want me to time you? Are you going to time yourself or? If you could give me a 10 and a five, Susan, if you wouldn't mind. Great. So 10 and a five, you have 20 if you want. Do you want to start with 10 and five and see where you are? Or? Yes, yes. Great, done. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I'm very happy to be here and I appreciate everyone inviting me to speak. And um, my name is Terry W. I'm from Massachusetts and I am a recovered anorexic and bulimic. And, um, you know, my life has taken on a lot of new meaning, but it wasn't until my opinion. So I, I like to call this talk Terry's opinion versus the doctor's opinion because it changed my world. And I'll tell you how that changed my world in a little bit. Um, I remember when I was little, I think I was born with the eating disorder because when I was three, I can remember being at Grammys and I would climb the little shelves. And I remember I ate a whole bottle of baby aspirin. And it's funny because I've heard a lot of people say that they've done the same thing. And, um, and a few years later, I climbed up and I ate a whole bottle of vitamins. So I was just eating lots and lots of food because it tasted good. Um, and, but one thing that was a little out of the ordinary is when I got a little older, I started to eat my toys. And um, that probably wasn't very normal for a young child. And, um, I, you know, I, for us who are older, I talked about, I had a little, there's a Gumby and Pokey and the little Gumby was that green little, little figurine. It was about 12 inches and it bended and uh, it was, had little eyes. And I, you know what, I remember, I still remember sitting there in a closet eating the whole thing and trying to swallow that plastic. And I was so proud of like, mommy, look. And I held the wire up like, I eat my whole Gumby. It's like, you know, these things, I don't think are very normal for a child. And, you know, as I grew up, I ate massive, massive, massive amounts of food. I mean, I ate so much in quantity. But um, what happened was, is I was a gymnast for many, many years and a professional bodybuilder growing up. So I never gained any weight. I could eat absolutely anything I wanted and, and never gain weight. Um, and it didn't happen till I was in my 20s, till I was older that I had come up, started the anorexia. Um, and I don't know how it started. Um, I think it was around the time my grandmother may have passed away, may have triggered it. And a couple of other events have happened. But, you know, my life was so dark and it was so lonely. And um, 
I was thinking the other day of what it would be like to explain to you what a day in my life was when I'm anorexic. And I had a really hard time trying to just, it, I'm going to have a hard time trying to say this out loud, but I, I want to share what it's like. Um, I would wake up at five o'clock in the morning and I'd weigh myself and I'd have a cup of tea. Um, I had to walk five miles every day. So I did three miles before work, but I would bundle up real tight because I'd walk in any weather. I think I missed three days in five years. I'd walk through everything, even when I was sick. And so during my walk, I get really dizzy. I remember I have to like just sit down on a sidewalk because I was about to pass out. Um, and one of the most humiliating parts of my life was the fact that I took so many laxatives, I can't even begin to tell you boxes and boxes and boxes of laxatives. And during my walk, I would just have to go to the bathroom and it was someplace where if I couldn't find some place to go, it would have to be behind a building or um, you know, in someone's bushes. Back then they didn't have cameras, thank you God. But you know, I had no control over my bowels at all. Um, and I can remember being in a store ordering, you know, waiting at the register to buy something. And all of a sudden it, I couldn't hold it. And I just stood there. I just stood there and went to the bathroom all over myself. And I, it was so humiliating. And I just, I could not control that. The laxative abuse was so bad. Um, and that's really embarrassing moments for me. And um, so after my little three mile walk there, I would get home and I'd weigh myself to see if I lost any weight from walking. Um, at this time, my hygiene is terrible. I wouldn't shower. I did not take care of myself. I didn't brush my hair. Um, it was, I didn't wash my clothes. Um, so it was a, a time where I just did not even care about myself. I hated myself. Um, so before I would go to work for the day, I touched my stove 15 or 20 times. And I maybe would touch my china glasses 10 or 16 times because of my obsessive compulsive behavior. I had to do that or I couldn't leave the house. Um, so I would walk again to work. And um, when I, my boss at the time, his father was a tailor, which was very convenient for me because I was 72 pounds. And um, he would tailor all my clothes so I could actually fit into something. Um, and during the day, it would be lunchtime. And um, as someone else just mentioned, I'll talk about that in a moment. I used to steal like crazy. I would steal clothes and I would steal pocketbooks. I would steal everything. Um, and I got really high off stealing things. And, you know, today, if you asked me to steal something, I could never do that. But I just stole so much. Um, and after I went around stealing, I would buy a sandwich and I would go downstairs to eat it at work. And um, I would put my sandwich in my mouth and I would spit it out because uh, I wouldn't swallow food. Um, and then after my lunch, I would try to throw up just in case I had a piece of food go down into my system. Um, and that's how I spent my days, you know, and then I would walk home and cry the whole time, you know, and I just wanted someone to love me. My whole life was really dark and I, I walked around like I was dead. Um, my eyes are beautiful blue today. They used to be black. Um, people thought I had cancer. They thought I was dying or I was a marathon runner because I was so thin. Um, you know, and, and when I got home, my friends would knock on the door and I wouldn't answer the door. I'd pretend I wasn't home. They'd call me. I wouldn't answer the phone. Um, and again, I would have the obsessive compulsive behavior. I'd have to clean the whole house every night. I did this every day, the same cleaning, by the way. And I couldn't go to sleep unless I vacuumed at like crazy hours in the morning because of this behavior it was so horrible. 
Um, and you know what, before I went to bed, I'd weigh myself again, because I'd weigh myself about, I don't know, 10 times a day. And um, you know what, it's, um, it was so sad because I just wanted to die. Like I remember going to bed at night and all I would do is write a note to God every night. And I'd say, God, please let me die. I'm so fat. God, please let me die. I'm so fat. And I would write that note to God every night for me to die because I was just so fat. Um, and I can remember a time when I was waitressing, I was kind of functional at one point. And you have to wear an outfit, of course, when you work at restaurants or, or bartender or whatever. And so I had to go out and buy white shorts. So I go to the store and I go to the junior's department because I was thin. And you know what? None of those clothes fit me. The only thing that fit me was the clothes in the child's department. And I think it was like an eight to 11 year old uh, clothes that I had to buy to fit me. I mean, I was really sick. Um, and, you know, one thing I want to share is about stealing is I got arrested for stealing and um, I had a court date. And, um, you know, I did a lot of research on this. And it, it what I found out from research is that anorexics, many of them steal um, because of the fact their electrolytes are off. When you're that thin, you do not think straight. Your whole system is off. I mean, I, I believe things that were not true. Like it says in the big book, I thought things were true that were not true. You know, I believe God told me to steal things. And that is not true. Um, so that was just an interesting thing about, you know, people with eating disorders and, you know, they, they do steal. Um, and then came the horror, which I call my um, intervention. My mother called and said, let me come over the house. We can go for a walk. And I'm like, well, I walk five, six miles a day. So, yes. And I opened the door and there was five or six, seven people there standing in my house saying, we're going to bring you to an um, eating disorder clinic or a mental hospital because you're going to die. And they made me step on the scale. And I promised, I promised, I promised I would get help if they just would not let me go to an eating disorder clinic or like a mental hospital. So I decided I would do that. And I tried to get into so many different treatment centers, like when I knew I needed help um, at one point. And you know what? I got in one of them. And guess what? I was there 10 minutes. You know why? Because I was too sick to be in a treatment center. I was admitted. They took my blood, my bloods, and they said I was going to have a heart attack, and they rushed me to the hospital. So I was too sick to be in a treatment center. Okay, and why I'm alive today from the anorexia? The doctors have no idea why I'm alive. I like I ate eight raisins a day um, at one point, and another point I would allow myself to have two bran muffins a day. That's when I was, you know feeling really lucky, but um, yeah, I, would, I wouldn't eat anything. I chewed gum and drank tea. Um, and to move real quickly from the anorexia that moved into bulimia. Um, and this was the gates of hell. I, I never wish bulimia on anyone. And you know, anorexia wasn't bad for me because I just thought I was fat. That's all I thought was wrong with me is I was fat and I wanted to die. So bulimia, um, you know, I would wake up at five in the morning and I would call four or five bakeries. I'd order two to three dozen boxes of those round things and have them triple dipped. So they'd be nice and hot. I would spend the entire day that shopping. Was for Harry, five yep, thank you for what I was going to eat. And, you know, I at four, I would spend the whole day shopping and at four o'clock bingo, I would start my binge and I'd eat $130 worth of food a day and throw it up and eat and throw it up until one in the morning. 
And then I would spray Clorox and Windex on the food and bring it outside to the dumpster. I would go right back out to that dumpster and eat everything again with all the Clorox and all the Windex all over it. Um, I didn't care. But the amount of, you know, the amount of food I ate was just incredible. And all I thought about was food, 13 hours a day. That's all I thought about. Um, and what happened was the food controlled me and I didn't control the food anymore. From the anorexia and the bulimia, I was so tired. And I, the food, I had no control over it anymore. And I knew I needed help. And, you know, I like to talk about, we talk about step one and there's two parts to step one. A lot of people forget about that. You know, I'm powerless over food, yes, but my life became unmanageable. Um, and my life was unmanageable. I got fired from my job. They repossessed my car. They shut off the gas in my appointment. I was apartment. I was four months late for my rent. Um, I mean, I, I threw away all my friends and it was pretty horrible. Um, and you know what? Someone told me about OA and I went to OA and the first meeting I went, I, I cried and I left. I said, no one's like this. I'm not fat like these people. Um, and I kept co coming back and coming back and crying and something drew me into the meetings. Um, and, you know, I remember when I sat through a meeting, I, I told you I used to throw up at four o'clock and I would have a panic attack if it was four o'clock and I wasn't available to throw up. So I remember passing a girl a note in the meeting saying, I'm having a panic attack. I can't sit here. I can't sit here. And the woman just held my hand, you know. So I did get a sponsor. Well, someone grabbed my hand and says, I'm going to sponsor you. And uh, she was very strict. No, uh, this is what we called my hospitalization period. No restaurants, no dating. Um, I couldn't take classes on a Tuesday night because in college, because that was a meeting night. So I just want to share with you, um, anorexics and bulimics, I mean, well, anorexics mostly are petrified to eat. So if you're sponsoring an anorexic, please understand how horrifying horrifying it is and I had my first meal on Christmas morning and I'll never ever forget it it was two eggs wheat germ and a banana and it took me almost two hours to eat that meal it was the toughest most horrible experience for me to eat that food you know but I did it I was willing to go to any lengths because I I, I had no control over my life um so how I want to end with this is, you know, I knew why I had an eating disorder. I'm going to tell you exactly why I had an eating disorder, because my mother told me I was stupid. My father was in prison when I was three. He died in prison when I was nine. So I didn't even know him. If anything good happened to me in my life, I was punished. But you know why? That's really not why I was eating. So why am I really eating? Why was I? Because human beings have emotions. We are angry. We're sad. We're jealous. We have grief. All these emotions build up. And what happens is when I go to the food, that relieves, that gives me the effect and relieves that horrible, you know, those, those feelings I have. So for me, food is, um, is a solution. But what the problem is, is I get the effect from eating it. So food is not the problem. Uh, what the problem is, is I have an allergy of the body and a mental obsession. So I'm, I always thought because I was stupid and my mother hated me. So the doctor's opinion, I was reading it, it changed my life. What do you mean I have an allergy and a mental obsession? This was not what I thought. This was not my opinion. And oh my gosh, I'm just wired differently than other people. You know, I'll put something in my mouth and I'll go on a binge when I'm bulimic for four to five to six hours. 
So what is the problem? The problem is how powerless silver food in my life is unmanageable. What's the solution? A power greater than myself. And how do I get there? By following these 12 steps and living in the solution and trusting relying on God. So how has my life changed? Oh my goodness. Um, today, my life is so different. Um, you know, I've, I've spent my whole life trying to fill this black hole right in my heart with food. And it just numbed me out. That's what I spent my whole life doing. You know, I was so sad and lonely and just, I was just so sad. And um, today, I reach for God in the air every single day. And I reach for God and put him in my heart. And he fills that blank, that black hole. I don't need food to fill that anymore. So what is my purpose today? Well, my purpose is on page 77 of the big book. Our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and to people about us. And in the forward to the first, first edition, to show others how alcoholics precisely recovered from, the, from alcohol. And, you know, I was 19 and I was paralyzed. I had a disease of the nervous system. Sorry, Terry, do you want five more? Yes. So I just want to tell you, when I was 19, I was paralyzed. Um, and they said I was going to be in there from two days to two years. And within two weeks, I lost the use of my arms and my legs. It was called Guillain-Barre. It's a disease of the nervous system where your antibodies kill your own antibodies. So within, um, I would say, three, four weeks, I was 100% um, paralyzed. Some people, it stops at their neck, but I went 100%. I was 100% intubated. I couldn't talk, move, go to the bathroom, breathe. I, I mean... I couldn't do anything. I could just cry. I could cry. Um, but you know what? I was read my rights to die twice by a, by a priest. And um, so why am I here? Why did I survive that anorexia? Why did I survive that bulimia? And God knows why did I, I even survive being paralyzed? It's because I'm here to help you. If I could help one person in my lifetime, with the anorexia, bulimia, overeating. This is why I'm here. This is my purpose. And you know what? Today I co-create with God all day. You know, where is God in my day? I just stop and do God shots all day. Where is God? Is anything blocking me from God? Is there anger, fear, resentments? And yet if I do, there's 10 steps. But today I work 10 steps, 10, 11, and 12. I sponsor. I am sponsored. I weigh my food. I go to five or six meetings a week. I do a lot of service and I'm just so grateful to be here. And my life has new meaning because I'm here to help someone that needs it. So thank you for letting me share. I pass. Beautiful, Terry. Thank you. Before we open it to questions, I was taken to page 124, which is in a chapter called The Family Afterwards. And when I was listening to Terry, you know, what I heard was showing others who suffer how we were given help is the very thing which makes life seem so worthwhile to us now. Cling to the thought that in God's hands, the dark past is the greatest possession you have, the key to life and happiness for others. With it, you can avert death and misery for them. So we have some time for some questions here. Um, I don't know if there are other anorexics here or people who are trying to work with anorexics as Terry gave you know some detailed information on how to work with others um so fire away in the chat or raise your hands 
however you would like to. It doesn't have to be about anorexia. It can just be about her recovery today. Don't be shy. Felicia, go ahead, please. What's your question? Thank you. Let yes. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Um, I just, that was amazing and um, inspiring for me. Um, I'm a pretty new person coming in here and, um, and it gives me hope, you know, and I'm on the ninth step. I can't believe I've come this far and I am definitely ready to give service back and help others with my, my story. And um, I'm, I'm really truly inspired and thank you for having these workshops where, that, where, where we can listen and learn and, and um, get better. Thank you. Thank you, Felicia. Thank you. Um, people are thanking you, Terry, which you will see in the chat. Um, and I know you'll leave your number in there. Hi, Lita. Go ahead and unmute. They'll let you unmute whoever's in has the power. Hi, Susan. Thank you. Terry, I have a question for you, which is we learned about what your day was like as an anorexic, which is just absolutely staggering. What does your day look like now? That's a great question. Thank you for asking. Today, I wake up and I have hope. I never had hope before and I never cared about myself or other people. You know, I wake up and the first thing I do is drop to my knees and thank you God for a new day. Um, and I say the set aside prayer. I say the third step prayer, the seven step prayer I meditate. And you know, I, even before I walk into work, I, I, I ask God to walk before me, you know, and during the day, God, please walk before me, beside me, behind me, my whole day is, and you know what? I like to make calls to people and um, they call me. And to be useful and helpful is the biggest change. I've never ever thought about anyone except myself. I was the only thing that mattered. The whole world revolved around me. You know what, today doesn't revolve around me. It revolves around you because I'm not the most important thing in the world. So um, it's changed drastically. And you know, I love going to meetings. I love being a reader and a bulimic anorexic because if I wasn't, I don't even know why I survived to be honest with you. As I said, it's a, I'm a miracle. And God just pulled me from the, the weeds for some reason. So thanks. Thanks, Terry. Nancy, go ahead, please. Nancy Ann. I was trying to unmute, sorry. Okay. Oh, Terry, my friend, you are just such an inspiration. And, um, you know, we don't have to, um, I don't have to have your story to feel the depths of your pain and where you are today and the hope you give everyone. Because whether we were anorexic or overeaters or bingers or it doesn't matter, food was our solution for our pain, our hurts, what troubles were going on in our lives. And, and you are just, you know, it's funny as a sponsor, you know, I give homework to sponsees and, you know, read Bill's story and say, you know, do you think like Bill thought? Do you, do you eat like Bill? You know, 
those questions. And I'm just sitting here saying, you know, I'm not anorexic or bulimic, but did I feel like Terry felt? Yes. And if it worked for Terry, can it work for me? Oh. Yes. And that's, that's the gift you gave everybody listening to you today. So I just want to thank you, Terry. I love you. I love you, Nancy. Thank you. Well said, Nancy. And then our last question, Sarah's iPhone. Hi, um, my name is Sarah and I'm a recovered compulsive eater and exercise bulimic. Thank you so much, Terry, for your share. And I just wanted to ask you, you know, you mentioned that when we sponsor anorexics, we need to realize how difficult it is for them to eat. And one of the things that was really difficult for me was to um, not exercise bulimically. I stopped all exercise for two months and I had to sit with really high, high levels of anxiety um, that, you know, I, cause I had used the exercise to manage my weight and my compulsive eating and the food was down, but the exercise was the last thing to go. And so I just wondered um, if you could talk a little bit about, um, you know, my understanding for bulimics that induce vomiting that, you know, they have to sit with food, leave it in their bellies and not induce vomiting. And for me as an exercise bulimic, I had to sit with not putting on my running shoes or not exercising. And I just wondered if how, what that was like for you. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. That's an, a great question because as I mentioned, I used to walk six miles a day and all of a sudden just to not be walking six miles a day is a big deal. Um, and with any compulsive exercising, it's a very big deal. So um, I had to stop my exercise, which was very uncomfortable for me. And I had to sit through that. And, you know, I, I'll say today, um, I will not walk more than 30 minutes a day um, because I know that that is something that can come back so easily. But yeah, it's very uncomfortable. And I was told I couldn't exercise. And, you know, I sat through that and I just connected to God because I couldn't get through it myself. And I called people and told them, you know, I need to go out and walk. I have to go walk right now. What am I going to do? And they would just hold my hand, you know. Um, but yes, exercise bulimia is a very hard thing to get over with. And um, what I do say is that once we, we go through the steps and get recovered, that we really be careful about our exercising habits. Because I know that's something that I really have to very, very uh, watch very carefully. Thank you, Terry, so much. And just a reminder, again, the details are in the chat about donating to the seventh tradition. Um, OA Rise is a wonderful part of OA and they give a lot of service. I believe we're in Canada somewhere. I think that's where OA Rise is. Um, so, okay, now we're zooming over to Colorado and we're going to hear from Jen A who has suffered with all parts of this chronic illness. So Jen, would you like me to time you or will you be timing yourself? You have 20 minutes. I'm a, I'll time myself. If you just give me five at the end, Suze, that'd be good. Great, thanks. Okay, awesome. Thanks so much. Um, 
Good afternoon, everyone. And it is afternoon. So exciting. Um, I finally got my connection to work. I was like, oh, hey, I'm literally sitting in my living room next to the router. Susan's been here and Comcast was here last week. So it's totally frustrating when um, your internet won't work, but God is with me. God is good always. And he obviously wants me to speak. And um, I'm just so taken back, Terry, by you that um, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to talk um, because this disease does manifest in different ways. And that's why I'm so thankful, Susan, that you chose this girl squad. <laughs> um, she calls us the Spice Sisters. And you can be a Spice Sister, too, on the screen. I just want you to know all are welcome into the Spice world. So pick your Spice Girl. Um, your story is your story, but all are welcome. So super exciting. I'm Jen A. I am recovered today by God, grace and mercy. Um, from anorexia, bulimia, exercise, bulimia, compulsive overeating. That's my jam. I'm sticking to it. I'm just going to show you my screen. Wow. Who knew I'd be so freaking emotional. Okay, here we go. Whoo, deep breath. This is me. Um, on uh, in 2016, I walked into the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous into a face-to-face -face meeting. I was desperate. I was dying. Um, I tried to drink myself to death. I tried everything, but I didn't even know about compulsive overeating, anorexia, bulimia, even though my friend died two years prior to this. Um, she was 89 pounds, dripping wet, five foot nine, and um, she died in her own vomit in her um in her boudoir, in this, her gorgeous mansion in her home here in Colorado. And I didn't even know that anorexia was a thing. Um, you know, I was that chunky little girl on the left, high school, yeah, I was like pushing it a little bit, but then I got older and the food just caught up with me. Um, I was like, Bill, you know, I went up and down the scale instead of in and out of the countryside into the city. <laughs> I didn't escape from that, but I, I definitely was up and down the scale. And then when life got too difficult, I turned, uh, I turned to exercise and Terry talked about, um, you know, uh, being, uh, a compulsive over or anorexic and, and, and by, we do this by exercising, by restricting food and by overcompensating in the exercise area. So I did bikini building body, bodybuilding competitions. Um, and then that wasn't thin enough for me. And so you'll see that girl um, in the black dress with the sunken in eyes, the jawline, and just my soul was dead. I was dead. Um, but then by the grace of God, I found these rooms through um, Facebook. And um, I also found them through a man who was a recovered alcoholic addict. And uh, that was me on my uh, away birthday at the bottom. Um, the last five years of program, um, almost five years, it'll be five years at the end of this month, God willing. Um, this is me. I haven't changed much. <laughs> My boss says, you keep aging, getting younger and prettier. I said, right on brother. I'll take that. <laughs> but, um, I just stay the same. My kids keep getting taller. I got to take a new picture. Cause my daughter is, she's, she's towering over me now. Um, but yeah, I've stayed the same. Um, thank you, God. Um, my clothes actually fit today. Uh, being an anorexic bulimic exercise bulimic, I thought it was cool if I could like just slide my shorts down and not have to unbutton them in the bathroom. You know, like I knew I was, I was feeling good if that was the case. Um, but I'll just qualify quickly and say, ate like you all ate. I drank like you drank. I played like you played. I lied, cheat, steal, manipulate, negotiate. 
I'm, I mean, it was it, that was game on for me. And that's how I live my life. And I didn't even know I had a problem with all those things. I just thought that's how everybody functions in this world. You know, um, I thought I had God. I went to church. I was a Christian. Um, you know, I ran the Bible study, the women's ministry. I had people in my home. We read the purpose driven life. I thought I had it all. Um, but I was severely overweight and I kept eating, um, and eating and eating. Uh, and then I restricted and restricted and restricted and God bless the people in my office because they got the worst of me, um, in, you know, the anorexic days and, um, the exercise bulimia. And they just, to this day, they still look at me and go, you still don't eat that stuff. And I'm like, no, I don't need it anymore. It makes my butt swell. I have like these little one-liners I learned from program, or I'll say to people, like, if I ate one of those caramel chocolates, I'd eat the whole container and then there wouldn't be any for any of you. So instead, I'm going to leave them for you all. I've come up with some great one-liners and they just kind of leave me alone. Um, they think I have amazing willpower. Y'all know what that is like when people say, oh, you have such great willpower. No, what I have is the power of God today. And that's the gift of this program. Um, you know, I was just writing down tons of notes while you guys were talking. I loved it. Life will take on new meaning. Well, how did it take on new meaning? I'm just going to tell you. I went into a meeting of Overeaters Anonymous. I heard that I needed to get a sponsor. There, weren't, there wasn't anyone in the room that could sponsor me. Thank you all that we have Zoom today. I sat there with six people who are equally as sick as I was. And we opened up workbooks and we answered questions together and we stayed sick together. And today, because of this great Zoom platform and these recordings, we have the ability to get well. And we have the ability to share the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, these 12 steps, and to recover. That's the bottom part of the triangle. That's the stability, right? I need to recover in order to do what? In order to build unity and to give service. And then by that, I am a full and encompassed equilateral triangle. It's, it's a perfect shape right? How cool that they picked that shape um, for the symbol. I'm sad it's gone in the book, but let me tell you, all my sponsees know it. And I always refer back to it. Um, these 12 steps have saved my life. This fellowship has saved my life. But most of all, finding God in a whole new way, going from that Christian, the Catholic Christian girl um, to the spiritual mama, <laughs> My son, he's so funny. He says, uh, yeah, dad's kind of like, he's like a big Bible thumper. And my mom, she's like more like mama Gandhi. She's more spiritual. <laughs> and at least he's calling me that today. Cause I heard the first speaker speak today and, um, I know she's off the line, but I did text her and I said, I remember the first time she called me, she's in my phone. And I remember her story about her husband and she wasn't willing to do anything. And it's neat to see that she's, um, recovered today. So that gives you all hope, right? Don't stop calling, keep calling, keep doing the work. Don't leave these rooms is what I heard somebody say today in a meeting. I, I haven't left the room. Um, don't leave um, because somehow um, this starts to penetrate your mind and your heart and your soul. And, um, you know, I'll just say that, uh, you know, when I sat in those rooms of Overeaters Anonymous and those other people were sick around me, I finally just said, how do I get well? And they said, well, you need a sponsor. We are doing this workbook on sponsorship. And I said, oh, this is great. I need a sponsor. Like who's going to sponsor me in these rooms? None of you. <laughs> right. So I went to a bigger meeting and uh, I got there late because I was over exercising. Just note to self, had to go ride my bike 30 to 40 miles. 
And I walk in late and they say, there's going to be 60 people there. And I said, wow, out of 60 people, I should find a sponsor. Nope. To no avail. I get there. There's six people sitting around a small group of chairs. I thought, mm, I got gypped again in Overeaters Anonymous. They had broken out into small groups, just FYI. And uh, so uh, because I was so late, but there was one chair, one chair there for me, Jennifer Marie. And I sat down in it and I looked and this man across from me, he read these ninth step promises, right? And Susan talked about the bedevilments and the, and the promises, the 10 step promises and, and the ninth step promises and how they are the opposites of each other. You can Google it, like Google um, the bedevilments and the opposite of bedevilments. I'll show you hand in hand how that was written. And just to like, think about this, you guys, come on. Like, do you think Bill W was composing this book? And he said, oh, I'm going to make the bedevilments match up with the ninth step promises. I'm going to make irritable, restless, and discontent show up with happy, joyous, and free. Spoiler alert. I don't think so. At least not in my opinion, which opinions mean nothing. But my experience says that guess what? I'm pretty sure that um, God penned this message to all of us through that man and the rest of the fellowship. Um, so I sat in those rooms. He read those nine step promises. I wanted him to sponsor me. My boyfriend at the time was an alcoholic recovered. He says, men can't sponsor you. You're a woman. So I listened to him. I made him my higher power. And then when the boyfriend dumped me in all my load of stuff on my back porch, guess who I was calling? <laughs> that guy. <laughs> <laughs> to sponsor me. No, he wasn't the first sponsor. There was a woman who sponsored me because, um, you know, I thought, okay, I'm going to go out and interview someone. I love when people call me, call me, interview me as a sponsee. <laughs> as a sponsor and a sponsee. I love it. Um, maybe there's something I'll say to you that will resonate. I don't know, but I interviewed this lady. I sat on a park bench outside the church and said, now, do I need to do this? And do I need to do that? Anyways, she became my sponsor and took me through the work, but I was still eating, still restricting, still exercising. Um, didn't have a clue that I needed to put that down. Didn't even know what the definition of abstinence was. Okay, here's a big hint. It's on the OA website. Um, it's refraining from compulsive food behaviors and compulsive foods while working towards our, uh, maintaining a healthy body weight. How do I know that? Because I had to learn it because I had to know what I needed to do and what action I needed to take down, take, put the food down, stop vomiting, stop exercising, you know, and it didn't come all like overnight. So when people call me and say, well, I don't know how to do this. I'm like, well, neither did I. Like, it's just a process that we have to go through. I say to people, when you're new in program, and if you're here and new, you are in the discovery phase of this program. Welcome to discovery. Get out your magnifying lens. Look at your food. Look at your behaviors. Look at the bedevilments, right? Look here. It gives you nine questions you can ask yourself on unmanageability. unmanageability. Are you having trouble with personal relationships? Can you control your emotional natures? Are you prey to misery, prey to depression? Can you make a living? Have, do you have a feeling of uselessness and are you full of fear and unhappy? And can you be of real help to other people? I got a big fat F on this assignment, people. And I can still get a big fat F today. I'm not perfect. I'm always going to be a human being and never rise from that level. But this is a good, good starting place for me. And if I get stuck, I always go back to the bedevilments and say, hmm, having trouble in personal relationships, hmm, playing God again, aren't you? Yep, I am. Do the inventory, write the steps, give it away, get free. Um, anyway, so 
I, you know, I'd like to say that um, that lady uh, took me through the steps. Uh, she did imperfectly. I wrote a four step. You guys would all laugh. My sponsees have never written a four step like this. 49 pages front and back of my life history. And I sat in her bedroom for two days and gave it over to her in a rocking chair with a hot cup of tea. Yep, it's still on my nightstand. I dare anybody to read it. You'll be bored as a guard. Like it's terrible, right? Um, but you know, when the rubber met the road and um, that guy broke up with me, I'm not going to say it happened overnight. I'm just going to say that it happened over a period of time that I finally picked up the food with such a vengeance because I was such a good girl in Overeaters Anonymous. I wasn't eating white flour and I wasn't eating white sugar. And spoiler alert, here comes another one. This isn't a meeting of white flour and white sugar anonymous. It's a meeting of compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors. And for me, their ingredients like flour, sugar, salt, and fat, and combinations of those ingredients. And so if you don't know what your foods are, please call me. Please call me. My worst, my worst nightmare when I hear on the lines is, I'm not going to talk about food and I won't discuss it with you. You know what? That's the biggest line of BS I've ever heard in OA. Why? Because this is a program about eating. Do they not talk about alcohol in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous? Nope, they do. So we're going to talk about food in the rooms of OA. And that's how, you know what, if I just help one person identify a behavior, maybe a few more ingredients, my job is done. That's what God put me in their life for. Maybe not to sponsor them, but maybe help them figure something out. Because my sponsor helped me. He was eating corn chips, weighed and measured, and I ate them until one day I was like, man, these are really good. I want them for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And I told him, and he was like, mm, maybe that's one of your alcoholic foods. <laughs> so I had to put down corn chips. Oh, that was a hard one, right? Everybody likes corn chips. So anyways, yeah, the mental obsession kicks in. And my mind told me it was okay to eat, but not, but this time it told me it was okay to eat flour and sugar. And I went out and I ate with a vengeance and I ate at six convenience stores and man, was it a mess until I finally got to the back alleyway at Trader Joe's. You know, it's just right down here, down the street from my house. I drive by it all the time. It's right next to the TJ Maxx home goods store, which every girl loves. And uh, I will just say that that back alleyway was um, where I, I lost my, my stuff. Um, I lost the vomit out the door with a toothbrush in my hand. I couldn't even stick my finger down my throat anymore. I had to make sure I got it all out because I was going to come to a meeting of Overeaters Anonymous on Saturday and pick up my last coin. In two weeks, I was going to get one year. Ooh, yeah, what an addict I am, right? Trying to manipulate even people in program in the rooms around me. But I didn't. I vomited. The wrappers and the boxes were in the other seat. And uh, by the grace of God, I was broken down so badly that night. And, uh, you know, the light shined through the front windshield of my uh, vehicle and it was so dark and I felt so doomed, doom and gloom all around me. Like the quicksand he talks about, like, you're just being swallowed up here to your neck. And I was like, I don't even know what to do. And you people in this, in this room told me, keep coming back, pick up a hundred thousand pound phone. So I dialed a number and it was that guy who read the nine step promises. And he finally became my sponsor and told me to get to a meeting. Um, I went to AA meetings for a really long time. And what say, thanks. And what I will say is that um, those AA meetings led me to the big book and the 12 and 12. And those two books saved my life because they had the precise instructions that I needed to follow. And they're even in here for, for compulsive overeaters. It tells you four times in the doctor's opinion, you have to put the food down entirely. That means I have to put the food down, the exercise down, the throwing up down. I can't do things every once in a while, right? Um, and because I've done those things, 
not just one time. I didn't complete the steps. I went through the steps. And now I live in the steps one through 12. And I love when people, you know, say, I, I love when people call me and they go, I completed the steps. I go, oh, really? How did you do that? I want that. I want that medal of honor and badge. I never complete the steps. I'm never done with the spiritual program of action. In fact, that's what I wrote down here. I work the program. And what's the difference today? Why is life taking on new meaning for me? Because I'm there's a transformation. Ideas, attitudes, and emotions, once which like held me hostage, are now being cast aside and a whole new set of ideas, attitudes, and emotions are coming in and rearranging me from the inside out. And I look at this list, like I was talking to somebody about six and seven today. I look at my checklist of flaws and assets and I got a lot of flaws and there are also a lot of assets. And I think to myself, God is making me more generous. He is making me more concerned for others. He is making me more tolerant. He is making me more forgiving, but I'm still judgmental. I'm still controlling. I'm still self-centered to the extreme, but slowly but surely he's chipping away at me. And like I always tell my sponsees, you know, the great wall of China was not built overnight. My resentments and, and, and the defects that I hold on to are like the great wall of China. And I have to keep doing this work on a daily basis. And I have to, it's God takes out, get this, one little block at a time, every time I do a 10 step, every time I run inventory with my sponsor, every time I give away something, that's what he does. And life gives new meaning. And this is what I wanna end with today. I mean, it's just, it's a process. Um, well, Susan took my, took my glory on page 124. However, I'm going to the top of 124, sister. Okay, so this is, way it's, this is what it says. Um, we think that such a view is self-centered and in direct conflict with a new way of living. And then Henry Ford made this remark, experience is the thing of supreme value in life. It is true that if one is willing to turn the past to good account, we will grow by our willingness to face and rectify errors and convert them into assets. It says in the next paragraph, the painful past may be of infinite value to other families or people in programs still struggling. You know, all I can share today is my experience, strength, and hope, but in three sponsee calls this morning and one yesterday, God used the terrible, painful, painful past, that rear view mirror picture in my life he used so that I could be a maximum service, not only to him, but the people about me that I could say, yeah, I've been there. Yeah, I've done that. Yeah, I've had to pay jail time. You know, I've had to pay back employers. I've had to say, you know, amends to my ex-husband. Did he do me dirty and wrong too? I'm sure he did today. It's like, let it go. You know, all I can do is clean up my side of the street. There are things that I've done in my past that I am disgraced for. The men that I threw my body at and the relationships that I was in. But you know what? Like God uses all those things to help me to help others because all I can do is share my experience, strength, and hope. And um, that's how life takes on new meaning for me today. Like that painful rear view mirror glance is just like, it's just but a glance because today it's wide, it's roomy, it's broad, right? What is it? It's the front windshield of my car. And it shows me that life is amazing out there and it's full of amazing things. Those past relationships, I'm in a relationship with a man in my dreams today. And if I could just say to you guys, like my inventory this last two weeks 
has been on sexual relations with him and intimacy. And I thought I would never find my voice and be able to share with the man that I'm dating, how I'm feeling physically in the bedroom. And this is a, this is a pretty big thing to share, but like I shared it with him and it and intimately shared it with him. And today is May day. It's March 1st and spring is sprung. And I'm just going to tell you that the most intimate things happens to me, happened to me in the last 24 hours before being able to get on this line in my relationship with him. Like that's how life is taking on new meaning. I'm able to have a voice in a relationship. I'm able to get on stage last Thursday with people at work. And you're going to laugh at this, but I emceed an event. I have never stood on stage. I have 10 colleagues. Everybody else speaks with like grandiose stories and authority. And I told my boss, I'm really passionate about what I'm sharing. I'd like to be the MC. And she goes, okay, sounds great. So she let me get up there and MC. And after the event, they were all like, damn girl, you missed your calling. Like you should be on the today show. You should be talking to people. <laughs> and I'm like, do you guys know what my biggest dream is? My biggest dream would be on the today show to be one of those girls in the little tight dresses, you know, with their hair all done and her HD makeup, like, you know, just being able to talk to people. And I just think, how did I learn that? I learned that here in the rooms on zoom, working with others. God's given me confidence and stability and strength in who I am today to be able to share what all I did was stand up on stage, you guys, and share my experience my strength and my hope for people who want to move into a retirement community. I know it doesn't sound glamorous, but did a way sound glamorous either? No, it doesn't sound glamorous. So, um, you know, no matter what it is, and I looked at those bedevilments, right? Today, I'm going to tell you the opposite of the bedevilments for me real quick. I'm feeling more secure and safer and serene in a relationship with a man of the opposite sex. I feel cool, calm, and peaceful for the most part. Why? I'm not yelling at my kids. I'm no longer a mommy monster. Love the first girl that shared. Like, that was me too. Me too, you know? I have experienced heaven and paradise here in Overeaters Anonymous of all places. All right? I am blissing out in joyousness. I'm experiencing financial freedom. I still make the same money, people, that I made eight years ago at the company where I work. My bills are all paid. And like, I'm happy. I'm okay. I'm content with that. I'm functional and I'm useful. I can give service to people, whether on this line or whether in my household, I helped my boyfriend's um, teenage sons clean out their bedrooms last week, four hours, girls. They're 11 and 13, or girls and guys here, sorry. Um, and I'm just gonna tell you, like, I can be useful at work. I can be useful in the home of my, my boyfriend. I can be useful with my kids. Um, and then uh, I'm no longer living in fear, right? fear. Like I do live in fear. I do the inventory around it, but I don't have to stay stuck in the feeling fear and catastrophize. I'm definitely not unhappy. I can have bad days and rainy day clouds and I can still be what I can still be, um, uh, whatever his name is Eeyore. Right. But I'd much rather be Tigger ding, 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 bouncy, 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 and fun, 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 fun. And last of all, can I be a real help uh, to other people? You know, I just ask God every day. I slide out and I get on my knees too, just like all these other ladies. And I say, God, just help me be of service to somebody. Whether it's on the streets, whether it's in my office, whether it's in my home, or whether it's in Overeaters Anonymous, like use me, use me to the fullest extent, Lord, because I know that's what you put me on here. 
Rick Warren talked about a purpose-driven life. I never knew what that was. I read the book. I tried as hard as I could. But I was still blocked off from God with food and behaviors. So I'm way overdue, but thanks for letting me share. And um, just glad my internet connection worked. God always, God always works out the small details in life. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Suze. Thank you, Jen. Ah, okay, before we go to questions, um, you know, today's reading, so interesting, 24-hour day book. Yeah. The AA program is one of charity because the real meaning of the word charity is to care enough about other people to really want to help them. And that's what we do here. And just because we do like to laugh, if any of you ever watch Friends, remember that long, long letter that Rachel wrote Ross when she wanted to prove to him that they weren't on a break and he cheated and he never read it. And that's what I was thinking of when Jen said about her 49 page inventory. <laughs> anyway, even if you don't watch them, it's funny. So we, here we are, we have some time before we have to stop the recording and starting again. Questions, words, here we go. Jacqueline, please go ahead. Jen, I just wanted to thank you and also thank everybody else who's spoken so far. Um, it's just, it's no coincidence where God puts us. Um, and I really needed to hear from all of you, but Jen, just um, especially there were things you were saying about like, you know, an old relationship being. Oh, Jacqueline, you got oh. muted. I don't know. Can she unmute again, please? There? Okay. Um, I just was saying I'm in the midst of a, a breakup and, but I'm 21 days binge free today and on my sixth day of abstinence and, um, I just, I'm so grateful to, to everybody that's spoken because I, I forget who said it, maybe it was Michelle. Um, I don't even know what it looks like to have my own life mm -hmm. and, a, and a life that's my own. Um, but just hearing from all of you today, I feel like this is going to be my purpose-driven life, that God is going to use me for for something greater than myself through being in this program. I really believe that more than ever today. And um, I'm just so grateful I'm going to be able to start this month and this week with the hope that you guys and, and God have placed in my heart. So grateful for my OA sisters and just that I'm adding a bunch more to, to my God squad today. I love you guys and thank you so much. Beautiful. Thank you, Jacqueline. Hi, Connie. They'll let you unmute in one second. Okay, thank you. Hello. Hi, you guys, gals. Thank you so much. I, I came in a little late, um, but I wanted to get part of the workshop. I'm working on my steps, so I'm trying to do everything at once. Um, but like, I'm a, a person of deep depression, and um, I don't want to that what do we do with those kind of deep 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 feelings um some people in program don't want to hear it and it's like yeah but that's why i ate so i'm just not sure is that just therapy or that lots of outside help 
Yeah, that's I, really good. Thanks for asking. That's a good question. Like, you know, I mean, depression is real. Bill W. Mm-hmm. struggled with depression. He talked about it in further articles mm-hmm. and um, things. If you go and read after he wrote um, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and we have page 133. So I love it. Right. This is my reference. Um, and it tells me um, that God has uh, abundantly supplied this world with fine doctors, psychologists and practitioners of very various kinds. Do not hesitate to take your health problems to such persons. Most of them give freely of themselves that their fellows may enjoy sound mind and bodies. Try to remember that though God has wrought miracles among us, we should never belittle a good doctor or psychiatrist. And remember in our morning meditation, it says we make use of what uh, spiritual teachings and other, other people offer doctors, psychiatrists, whomever it may be. Why? You know, this is, this is, this is a book. It is, uh, it is. Uh, God inspired. We believe that it's, or I should say, I believe it. It's penned by Bill. Um, but it's also, you know, I mean, you have to have outside resources. That's why we go to a nutritionist. Can you imagine if we were all sponsoring each other around the food? For God's sake, it would be a food farm and food fights all the time. And it would be just crazy. So, you know, and what I find, and I will tell, I will say this because I have sponsored many women who, when they put the food down, the mental instability gets worse, right? And um, that's the hard part is that as a sponsor, I've come to recognize that in, in the women I sponsor. And I tell them sometimes, you know, you've been controlling that hot center of your brain with depression, with food and with exercise and pills and potions. Like I've done it all, right? But sometimes we have to go seek outside help and get medication for things like that. Why? Because then that will help kind of like, make us a little more flatline and then we won't, you know, we'll put that food down and then we can hear and understand what people have to offer, right? Like you can hear and you can understand and soak it all up. But there's something about that, that little area in the brain that gets really, really hot. And um, unfortunately um, I've seen, I've seen people pass away in this program um, from mental illness. And it's hard. And I think as sponsors, we think, but just put the food down and you can do it. And then we keep just drilling it back to people. And I got to remember, I'm not God and I'm not a doctor. So I'm so thankful that page 133 gives me the precise instructions as where to turn sponsees and, and where to where to share that. So thanks for your question today. Thanks, Jim. Mm-hmm. That is the great thing about the big book, right? Everywhere there's a question, there's an answer. Miriam, go ahead, please. Hi, my name is Miriam. I'm a compulsive overeater. My question is kind of like similar to Connie's. Um, how would I know if feelings of depression are from being in the food or being out of the food? Like, did I pick up the food in the first place because I had these feelings or is it from, or is the food perpetuating these feelings? Can I just ask, um, currently, where are you at? Like in the steps too. Um, I'm pretty new to program. I don't have a sponsor yet, so I'm not working the steps, but I am abstinent. Okay. Well, that's good. Um, don't hold your breath underwater for too long. Grab our names. Yeah. And numbers. We'll, I mean, we'll literally, if we can't sponsor you, we'll find someone who will. And I'm, I'm, I'm not joking. Um, we don't do this alone. Like Michelle says, you know, you jump from the sinking Titanic, either into the ocean or into a lifeboat with another. So those are your two choices on that. Um, and you know what, you won't know the difference until you start doing the work. Um, you know, I have, I have feelings. I remember when I ate, I ate when I was happy. I ate when I was sad. I ate when I was in between. I ate all the time. 
like feelings, you know, like feelings are real, but at the same time, like I ate because I was, um, triggering the phenomenon of craving, you know, she, Michelle talked about like the hot stove. I talk about it like a campfire. I had the kindling on there, the newspaper underneath. I sprayed, you know, the lighter fluid and I lit it with a match and poof. And the more logs I kept adding to the fire, the more food, the more exercise, whatever, it just was a blazing inferno. And so until you put that down, I don't think you're going to know the difference if it's, if it's more mental illness versus another. But if you have struggled with mental illness in the past, I will say your best bet is, is to kind of get a, get a grips on that a little bit too, and start speaking with a counselor and, a, and speak to your doctor. If you, if you struggled with, um, you know, deep, deep depression where you've had to be medicated before putting down the food, it, it, it can be kind of tricky sometimes if you do deal with that depression, but feelings are feelings. Like I had, I had a feeling today I woke up and I thought, does my boyfriend want to be intimate with me or is everything ruined for the rest of my life? Catastrophically. There you go. Whoa, out the window, but I didn't eat over it today because I know that my thoughts pages 23 to 43 of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous make up these stories in my mind. I listen to the stories and I believe the stories that I'm hearing. So, you know, that's another thing too. Like we put so, em so much emphasis on feelings that it's like, okay, feelings. Yeah. I, I ate because I was irritated. I ate because I was angry, but the whole thing is, is like, until you put the food down, I don't know that you really know that it's, that it's clinical. I'll just say depression. I hope that helps Miriam. I'll put my number in the chat. Everybody else is too. Um, my biggest suggestion is get a sponsor and start doing the work. So excited you're here today. Thanks. Thank you, Jen. Um, Alice or whoever's doing the recording, do you want to stop it now and then we'll start it right up again? Thank you. Hi, everyone, especially those of you who have stayed here with us. I can't wait to hear from you shortly. So here we go. I am your last speaker. I am Susan Recovered Compulsive Overeater. And again, thank you, OA Rise, so much for inviting us. Um, you know, I always try and go through the big book when I do different workshops and think of different things to call things. And I remember one day Jen and I were just having a conversation. I can't even remember about what. And I just said, that's it. Life will take on new meaning. And even today, sitting here with all of you and hearing from all of the speakers who are my friends and who I definitely hear speak a lot, my life has again turned that corner and taken on new meaning. And you know, at the front of the big book, there's there are these things called the forwards, and I highly encourage you to start the front of the book at the front of the book, at the preface before the forwards. And I hope today that we have been able to share this message and do what it says here. And it says that the purpose of this book, to show other alcoholics precisely how we have recovered, is the main purpose of this book. I didn't know what I was going to talk about. I really don't much right now, but I know that God will give me the words. And I know that the other ladies who came here because we've turned our will and our lives over and God steers my boat. He takes me up and down that staircase of these steps each and every day. And that is a gift. And I hope that if you are struggling and suffering after hearing today, no further authentication will be necessary and that you will put your hand in the hand of another and start to work these steps. Um, 
So I don't know all of you, so I am going to show my photos and quickly qualify and then just recap a little what was said today and, you know, throw my story in it in the middle. And Michelle told me that, by the way, Ross's letter, Jen's, um, not Jennifer, Rachel's letter to Ross was only 14 pages. So Jen, you beat her. Okay, I also put down that article that Jen mentioned. Bill Wilson has a lovely letter called Emotional Sobriety, The Last Frontier. Google has it. You can easily find it. It's fabulous. It's really very, very helpful because it also shows me that nobody here is perfect. And we aren't seeking to be. It's spiritual progress, not spiritual perfection. Okay, so here's why I come to Overeats Anonymous where I never wanted to come, where I disliked greatly, welcome to Overeats Anonymous, welcome home, and where people told me for 20 plus years to keep coming back. And I realized today that I kept coming back, but I really didn't know why. I really, really didn't know that it was to build a relationship with a power greater than myself who would restore me to sanity. That as it says in the first, on page 21 of the AA 12 and 12, we have warped our minds into such an obsession for destructive drinking. We heard all about the obsession this afternoon that only an act of providence can remove it from us. So the P is capitalized. So that to me, for myself, my interpretation is that God can. And in step one, you know, I didn't realize I was drowning. I didn't know that I couldn't stop eating with the right diet. It didn't matter if it was a pay and way that was $5 a week or I was spending 5,000. I thought surely the $5,000 one would work. So I came into these rooms at 250 pounds. I'm a girl who's lost hundred pounds more than five times up and down, up and down. I never went on a diet to gain hundred plus pounds. But once I start eating certain foods, I cannot stop. So once I stop, I cannot start again. Except when I go to all of these places and they go, yay, Susan, you weigh X, Y, and Z. This is so fantastic. Come back next week for maintenance. I leave there and I'm bewildered. I don't know what I'm supposed to do because that food plan isn't my solution. So I came in and out, in and out, and finally I got it. And these are some pictures I can move them along here. Oh, there we go. Of when I first lost my weight, and that is my naturally curly hair. Um, and I show these today so that you can see I haven't changed. Obviously, I'm a little older, my hair is shorter, it's now blonder, all of those things. Um, I don't own these two outfits anymore, but I do know that if I'd kept them, they would still fit. Um, I did a three-day breast cancer walk a year after I was um, recovered, which was amazing. Um, and this is where life now takes on new meaning. These are friends, very good friends who I've met in the room. Some of them you will recognize. And this outfit on the left to the right, a couple of years in between, it still fits. Um, that was at one of our friend's weddings. There's another friend. And here you might recognize some more faces. And this is the fellowship that I didn't know that I craved. Um, there's some pictures of me and Jen over the last couple of years. That was us at my 60th birthday last year. 
And then I think Arlene is still here and there's Faye and there's Amy B and Kira and Janet, my friend Leslie and down here is my nephew on the right who's never known me any other way. And this other girl here, my cousin, she was the little girl in those photos. Um, she's now a mom of two. So she's known me all the way through with all my dieting and all of my crazies. And then these are some pictures from the OA birthday party, um, some of the OA board. Um, so that's, that's, you know, like Michelle said, and I wrote this down. What did she say? She said something about friends, but anyway, but what I really identified with what Michelle said was, what can you give me and what are you going to take from me? How is this relationship going to serve me? I don't do that anymore today. I don't do that at all. You know, today I have no middle of the road solution and my New saying that I got from a few AA speakers, which I never did, is come all the way in and sit all the way down. I was out here, and you always hear me saying about being in the center of the herd because the animals who don't run in the center are the ones who get picked off. And my first sponsor gave me that statement. I can't row this boat to shore on my own. And trust me, I'm a wimp. I couldn't row any boat to shore. So you need me in the center with strong people around me rowing. Um, you know, what I really heard today was everybody here has had that psychic change, right? That essential psychic change that it talks about. On page 25, it says, we have had deep and effective spiritual experiences which have revolutionized our whole attitude toward life, toward our fellows and towards God's universe. Well, my life wasn't going to take on a new meaning just by weighing whatever it was on the scale, but I thought it was. I had that dream life. I'm gonna be a Disney princess. I'm going to be this. The guy's going to come along. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I couldn't stay stopped long enough to experience it. I stayed long enough to experience bad behaviors because my behaviors didn't change. So until I sorted them out and put pen to paper, nothing changed. The central fact, and I'm just paraphrasing, of my life today is the absolute certainty that God has entered into my heart and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. I wasn't atheist. I wasn't agnostic. I have a religion. I believed in God. And I especially wanted to employ him on Sunday nights. Because Jiminy Cricket, I ate a lot on Sundays. Had to get dressed and go to work on a Monday. And at the time, you know, work... Work clothes looked very, very different, very, very different to what they do today. So I had to really step up my game. And I don't believe Spanx were invented at that time. They probably would have been really uncomfortable anyway. So the solution that I heard today was that every single person here has had their pride leveled. They've confessed their shortcomings. They've done the work in four through nine, as have I. And that's how they've had its successful consummation. 
you know, I was listening and writing and, you know, all of it, right? Selfishness and self-centeredness. That's who I was the whole time. And I would have told you, no, don't you see how I wrapped your gift? Don't you know how much I spent on it? I drove you here. I took you there. Tells me at the end of the day, was I kind and loving to all? Well, no, not when I think that way. I used to say, well, I let them in in the line in front of me, but let me tell you that when somebody gets out their checkbook for one item, I get a little restless, irritable and discontented. So at the end of the day, on my nightly review, was I kind and loving to all? Sort of doesn't work. So I work really hard on those things. I let you in in the lane and now you're going really slowly and you're dawdling and you don't know where you're going. I have to laugh at these things today because that buildup of human emotions and not being radically honest will bite me in the derriere again. Michelle, I also did hypnosis. I was also in debt. I also stole tons of food. And I loved how Michelle said, my silliness has returned. I love that. And we have so much fun here, so much fun. And we laugh over the silliest things. And if you haven't found your people yet, take down phone numbers, pick up the phone. I know I'll always call you back. And I know that these women here will today. And most of these people in these Hollywood squares will as well. You know, I had to surrender that control. I had to fully concede to my innermost self. There's a chapter called more about alcoholism. And it says no person likes to think he or she is bodily and mentally different from his fellows. Again, welcome home. This was going to be it. Part of a group called Overeats Anonymous. Are you joking? Absolutely not. I was a girl who knew nothing about 12-step rooms and you told me it was a comparison or came from Alcoholics Anonymous. I was very naive and ignorant. So just being honest here, I thought that drunks were just people who lived on the side of the road. I didn't know they were upstanding men. I didn't know that they were people like Fred who was an accountant and went to DC and had a great family and owned a beautiful house. But he too had an allergy. Once he started drinking, he couldn't stop. This is a story in more about alcoholism. It talks about two people in there if you haven't read it. He had a great day in Washington, but suddenly he crossed that threshold. I cross that threshold all the time. It talks about how we get tight at all the wrong times. That was me. And then I was one of those four horsemen that it talks about. Always bewildered, always bewildered. And I just couldn't stop eating. I couldn't stop eating. <sighs> Driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking and self-pity. We step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate, page 62. That was me all the time. Jen talked about being Tigger. My friends called me Eeyore. It was always something. When Terry was speaking about her anorexia earlier, my mom went from being morbidly obese and anorexia. And I realized today as a child, we used to wake up, be woken up by the Hoover going in the house and all this cleaning going on at five and 5.30 in the morning. I never realized really until you said that, that that was her. The cleaning and I used to go to shops with her and she used to steal clothes all the time. 
all the time. Thank you for explaining that. You know, wherever I go, there I am, but I have so much to learn in these rooms. And when Michelle talked about getting in the boat, this is a luxury liner. This is a luxury liner that has been created for us. And there are rough waters here sometimes. And I have a host of friends here who take my hand and we go through these things, good days and bad days. I didn't know that normal side girls had problems. They do, they do. But with a power greater than myself and this staircase of these steps, I don't have to sit in it for too long because I'm just gonna call one of you and some of you will know by my voice that something is wrong and call me out on it. That fourth column in my inventory, what is your part? I got on the dance floor, I played a part. So life does take on new meaning. My relationships today are incredible. I just came back from, as I shared with you, I flew back from Texas this morning from one of our friends' 40th birthdays. I met one of my sponsees who I started sponsoring at the beginning of the pandemic. I'd never met her before. Thank you, Zoom. Thank you, Zoom, that we have a host of friends around the world now. How lucky are we, this fellowship that we never knew we craved? I'm a very social human. I didn't need to come here and have any of you as friends. Now try and escape me. I will find you. Um, Jen talked about, you know, and that picture that she shows when she came in or not when she, yeah, I think when you came in with those sunken eyes in the darkness and how Terry talked about the darkness in her eyes. And that's the thing that happens here. There's a twinkle, there's a sparkle. So I always urge people when you can turn on your cameras because it's so beautiful when you see people recovering like our first speaker. I've watched that heaviness lift from her and this light return this laughter and this love, that's something that you don't want to miss. And I love when Jen, Jen says her kids call her mama Gandhi. So, so good, so good, I love it. Um, and you also said there was no light behind those eyes that your soul was dead. I kept on paying people to try and light up my soul. It didn't work. And when my thighs were rubbing until they were bled, when I had awful rashes all around my bra, it was you I got annoyed at. When I went on the airplane on Thursday, a woman behind me, she said to the stewardess, I need an extender, please. And I turned around and smiled at her. And I could tell she got embarrassed because she lowered her eyes, but I couldn't say to her, done that there's hope and I kept obviously I'm still thinking about it four days later because I'm sure my smile seemed not what it was but I identified that in a way of love you know I had to do that because I was sitting at the back of a plane and didn't know it wouldn't fit and they yelled it all the way down the aisle but did that stop me from eating no when people asked me if I was pregnant did that stop me from eating no what stopped was that act of providence, which only an act of providence said, I had to have that realization that I was drowning. We've all seen that 
cartoon about the man sitting on his roof, right? Where were you, God? Where were you? I sent this, I sent that. And that was me. God kept on circling, launching that search and rescue. But oh no, little prissy missy, she doesn't quite like the color of the life jacket. Let me go off and do Optifast for 400 calories a day and watch half my hair fall down the sink. God circles back around. Susan, are you sure? Because you did that. Now you've gained it all back. No, I still don't like the seat that you're offering me, God. So let me go and get my jaw wired shut for three months. You didn't lose any weight there, Susan, with your jaw wired shut for three months. I'm coming around again with a really bright floodlight. Are you sure you don't want to get on? No, no, I'm only in the water up to here. I can keep going. I can keep going. I came into these rooms at 21 years old. I circled around until I was 38. And finally, at that last gasp, I said, okay, I'm done. Tell me what to do. And I will tell you, I haven't looked back. I don't work these steps like my life is on fire. I know it will be. I come to meetings to remember where I've been, where I am today and where I haven't been yet. And as Patrick B says, I go to meetings because they remind me of what happens to people who stop going to meetings. So I'm going to close with the age old favorite saying, Welcome to Overeaters Anonymous. Welcome home. Get in the center of the herd. Thank you, OA Rise. Thank you to all the wonderful women who joined me today. We didn't have a plan, but I think that God took care of that. Thank you to our two fellas who are here today. And we can open up for sharing if you have a question. Thank you for those of you who have stuck with us and we have plenty of time to hear from you. And I would love to hear how your life is taking on new meaning today or even in these last two and a half hours. So we open it up and thank you everyone for coming as well. Let's see some hands, come on. Okay, Corey perhaps? hoping I'm saying it right. Perfect. Thanks so much, Susan. And I'm going to be brave and just speak first. I always hate speaking first. But I'm going to be brave just because I actually don't want to cry. Um, because I'm just so moved and I'm so blown away. I'm so blown away by this meeting. I had no idea. And I think even if I did have an idea, I probably would have snickered or sneered and just not come. How, how gooey, you know? I'm so glad I was here. I heard so much of what I needed to hear. I, and I've been in and out of OA for 30 years. And um, I've done a ton of trauma therapy. And my eating, my food is in a fairly manageable place. You know, I don't eat sugar or flour. And I don't binge like I ever did. And I'm not bulimic with exercise in the way that I used to be. But I'm not spiritually connected. I am not spiritually connected. And I have a whole host of other compulsive behaviors like staying up too late at night, watching Netflix, all sorts of things like that that are sort of lower level. And they're all handily in my back pocket and I just kind of pull them out and switch them around. And I'm really tired of living this way. 
God, I just feel so moved by everybody's share and by the generosity, the amazing generosity of you all, all five of you for showing up. It's such a gift. Um, so that, that's really all I wanted to say. Just thank you so much. Thank you so much, all of you. Thank you for your lovely share. Jenny. Hi everyone, I'm Jenny, Compulsible Reader. So lovely to hear all of your shares and so lovely to see all the faces. I, uh, I asked that question to, I think it was the first speaker about how did you stop yelling at your kids or what, what was kind of like the first time that you remember not yelling at your kids. And, um, and, and I just, I needed to hear everything that was said. I keep thinking and have always thought um, that I will like step in to perfection. Like there's a door that I just only have to enter and I just can't reach it. And I know that there's no such thing as perfection, but I keep wanting to get there. I want to look perfect. I want to be perfect. I want to everything perfect. And and I weighed in today, I'm told just to weigh once a month, which is really um, challenging. And, and I weighed in and it was like, okay, yeah, I'm almost um, 70 pounds lighter than I was. So where is the perfection? And I talked to my sponsor again, and I'm working through step four and I'm like, okay, hey, where is the perfect? And I wrote an action plan. Okay, where's the, and I follow my food plan and I met with my registered diet. Where is it? I just, so I don't know where it is, even though I know there's no such thing. And so I just keep coming back. And my home group is in the morning, like at nine every morning. And, and so I do that. And then when I get restless, irritable and discontent, I come on another meeting and I get pissed off when I'm listening to people and I get pissed off when I see people looking healthy and lovely because I can't even imagine that I can be there. And when I hear people say like, oh, my life has totally changed. I'm like, oh, that's amazing. And, and then could you just like send it over to Thunder Bay, Ontario here in Canada and I'll just catch it for sure I will. And then I think, okay, but I just have to do it one day at a time. It's not, there's not a door that I'm gonna bust through. Cause I wouldn't even like, my life is not where I walk in gracefully. I would like fucking bash it down with my leg and like just, boom, come crashing in. Cause that's how I've always been as a human. So what I'm taking away today is to keep doing what I'm doing and to keep submitting my food plan and, and keep being abstinent and keep getting on my knees first thing in the morning and talking to a power greater than myself, whatever that is, and keep reaching out my arms and, and I'll just keep doing it. And that's the experience, strength and hope that you all gave me today. And I'm just, I feel better after the meeting. And, uh, and I just thank you. So that's all. Thank you. Can I share on that? Yeah, absolutely. Can I, and I was, yeah, Terry, absolutely. And then Tammy, you put your hand down, but we're going to get to you. I just wanted to say in step three in the AA 12 and 12, Jenny, it says, once we have placed the key of willingness in the lock and have the door ever so slightly open, we find that we can always open it some more. Those yeah. self world may slam it shut again, as it frequently does, 
It will <laughs> always respond the moment we again pick up the key of willingness. Mm. Go ahead, Mary. Oh, That's yeah. exactly what I was going to read, Susan. Okay. Oops, Are you serious? Yeah, I'm serious. Oh, okay. Step three is my, it's, it's, it's amazing. And you know what? I also was going to say, you know, we keep looking for it. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? You know what? It's given to us. We don't get it. It's given to us. But um, chapter, th step three in the 12 and 12 just gives me so much hope. And, you know, as it says in the big book too, all we have to do is be willing and be willing and it will be given to us, you know, if we do our part. So um, that was a, gr a great thing to be, to brought up. You brought up things. Thank you. Yeah. And as Herb K would say, it's done to me, not, it was done to me, not by me. Tammy, you lowered your hand, but would you like to share? Can we unmute Tammy M, please? Hi, I, first I want to say this meeting was amazing. Um, I want to thank oh, A-Rise for having it. And um, my question, I have a quick question. What in the big book of alcoholics, there was a paragraph you mentioned in working with others. I just want to know what paragraph that was in the beginning. Oh, me? Or was it me? I think it was, yes. Oh, yeah, where life will take on. These are my pages. <laughs> um, it's right there. It's the second paragraph on page 89. Life will take on new meaning. And then it says to watch people recover. It's that paragraph after practical experience. Okay. Thank you very much. You're welcome. And thanks for coming, Tammy. Okay. Going back to Colorado, Mike. If we can unmute Michael, please. Thank you. I'm I'm Mike L. I'm a recovery compulsive overeater, and uh, it's the first time I've heard Susan's story, so it was really nice being here. Um, I, I've heard Jen's a few times. Uh, it's um, I went to the OA birthday party this year, and my 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 walk with God has changed dramatically since then, and I've got I've got. Uh, 13 years in program and 13 years of abstinence. But, you know, I, I didn't have complete abstinence. That's come over time. And, and God is changing me every day. What, when I think about perfection, um, I believe my higher power thinks I'm perfect right where I am and loves me unconditionally and knows I will be perfect as I continue to grow closer to him. And so for me, um, the the statement that it's progress not perfection is really meaningful to me because it's it's this it's this trip that I'm on where I get the the opportunity on a daily basis to change who I am with God's help and and that's what this program is about to me is that 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 growing consciously more more conscious contact with higher power the uh this this has been an amazing meeting, and I really I, I I'm, I'm sitting downstairs getting ready to turn on the TV set, and I get this message on my phone with a flyer, and so I decide to do it, and uh, and I'm really glad I did. And uh, there uh, there there are there are, you know I I I now have a, a sponsee that was pushed to me um, in, by Susan, I think, and a uh, and I have a I have a sponsor now that was that was. Uh, uh, pushed to me through uh, other people, uh, or at least I, I reached out to, and it's amazing when when uh, when when you open yourself to what this book says, 
the the opportunity for growth. And I was the real deal. I'm a hundred pounder. I I took food out of the garbage. I stole. I did everything that's been talked about before. Um, I've been fired for my uh, aggressiveness with other staff and those kind of things because I was I was an ogre. I think is the best way to describe it. And uh, now people want to work with me. And uh, it's it's what God's done for me. And I'm just grateful to be here. And thank you very much for uh, the message, whoever sent it. <laughs> thank you, Mike. Okay, Michelle with one L and then Roger. Um, thank you uh, very much. My name is Michelle and I'm a compulsive overeater. I am very new to this program. I went to my first meeting um, Thursday. And then on Saturday, I went to a meeting that Susan was a host at and I reached out to her and she sent me uh, the flyer for today. And I am unbelievably thankful that she did that. Um, all of the speakers have been amazing and it's been wonderful to hear so many of the similarities that I have, that all of you have spoken about. And um, one of the biggest things that has haunted me my whole life is being different. Um, just life events happening to me that didn't happen to my friends or just, you know, the differences that you couldn't control. And I spent my entire life hating how different my life was from everybody else's. And the thing that has kept me away from here is thinking that, oh, all of these people are not gonna have the same problems as me. They're not gonna have the same background as me. They're not gonna understand because I'm different and no one else has my issues. So to hear all of you talking about the weight and how it separated you and the all of the problems it brought on working and the aggression and all of that, it is so eye-opening, one, but two, I feel like I, am in the herd that I was supposed to be in all along because I may have been different in the world I lived in, but it didn't mean that I was different, period. And that has been an amazing revelation to hear. Um, and also too, Susan, the thing you said about being in the center of the herd, you know, I've always been the one taking the chances or saying, I'll lead, I'll do this or whatever. And sometimes you just gotta be in the center and let people circle you and let you be the one that isn't the leader or isn't, you know, wait your turn to do it and maybe say, it's okay that I, I'm not at the front. So thank you so much for everything, all of you. And um, I've really gotten so much out of this today. So thank you very much. Thank you, Michelle. Okay, our lineup is Roger, Leslie, Mia. Go ahead, Roger. Roger, compulsive overeater. Oh my gosh. Um, between us girls, wow, unbelievable. You and, you and me accepted, Michael. <laughs> um, I got a new term today, Jen, thank you. HD makeup, never heard that before. <laughs> Um, oh my gosh, I don't even have words. I mean, when, when Susan texted me and said, come on this meeting, I was like, come on, God, I've been to a meeting today. I went to church. I've got a five o'clock meeting. I want to go to the gym. I want to put my law. Come on, don't you know? And what program has done for me, I just say yes. I just don't question because God speaks through you guys who are my angels. You know, when God taps me on the shoulder and says to do something, I don't go, uh, I don't think so today, God. You know, maybe I've got a better plan. So I just say yes. And, you know, I, you know, this meeting was my spiritual spinach. You know, I'm, I'm not all here because I'm not all there. Last Friday, 
um, for three days, I was taking Advil four times a day. And my dentist was supposed to see me on Friday morning, but he called in sick. And I was asking my sponsor at three o'clock in the afternoon, well, I'm kind of in a lot of pain. What do you think I should do? He said, get help. At, at five o'clock at night on Friday, I was at an endodontist in Santa Monica getting an emergency root canal. He said, how are you living with this? I mean, normal people, they get pain, they go get take care of it. You know, this alcoholic drug addict compulsive reader, you know, thinks I'm a special case. I was going to wait till Tuesday when my dentist comes back. No, God had a different plan. And while he was working on me for an hour and a half, I felt the presence of God. I was like, oh my gosh, God, you gave me this man who's been doing this for 49 years. And I felt God's presence in the room. You know, if you're new today, if you're struggling, you know, here's how my, how this program works on page 24 of my big book. It says, showing others how we suffer that paragraph in the margin, it says Susan G. So, um, I mean, I love OA. I have today. I, life has taken on new meaning. My prayer every day is God show me how I can be of maximum service to you and my fellow man. And I'll end with, in my men's group, this man said the definition of agape love is giving someone what they need the most when they deserve it the least at great personal sacrifice. With that, I'm out. Thank you guys for paying a 12-step call on me. And I'm Roger and I'm a compulsive reader. Thank you, Roger. Okay, Leslie, Mia, Lita, and then we'll see where we are with the time. Go ahead, Leslie. Hi, everyone. I'm Leslie, compulsive overeater. Um, I've, I didn't even know I needed this. Um, I was on a meeting this morning and, you know, I like the illusion is I think I have nothing to offer because I feel like I don't look like I have physical recovery yet, even though I'm, I do from where I started. Um, so somebody made a call asking for something, you know, like for me to do outreach. And I was like, huh, I don't know that I've done this before in this program, you know, and they shared the flyer. I got the, the text message with the flyer and hopped on and wow, wow, wow. Like, I feel like my program, um, I feel like I'm on the precipice of like some deeper awakening, like deeper than I've had. And I feel teary, like that some breakthrough um, is on the horizon. Um, I didn't even know I needed this today. Um, but I too, like I struggle with thinking I, I at some point I'm gonna arrive, you know, when, when the scale hits a number, I'm gonna arrive and um, things will be easier. I'll be more lovable. I'll be more accepted. And, you know, like, I, I don't think that that's going to happen, but, um, you know, when I find peace with myself and my higher power, like fully, 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 that's when I'll arrive. Um, and then I know that that's just a daily reprieve and, uh, something that I will need to maintain. Um, but what, what I was surprising to me today is that I forgot, like my disease is so strong in telling me that, like, I need to lose weight and eat less and eat less and eat less and eat less. But I forgot that like, I used to purge. Like I have been in a Trader Joe's parking lot throwing up into a bottle, you know? And like, I forgot that, you know? And I just realized like how hard I'm being on myself. And, um, you know, like I have all aspects of this disease, all like binge purge surgery, you know, reverse the surgery, all the pain weight, hypnosis, like I've done it all. And, um, 
it's going to take time, you know, like I'm a year and a half in, and this is going to take some time, but you know, like the miracle is like, I'm a year and a half in without like going face down into like my alcoholic foods. Um, but Jen, I might be calling you cause I think there might be some, some bigger food conversation to have. Um, just because I don't know if I'm fully willing to let go of everything, you know, like, God, you can have that, but not this. So um, I, I consider myself abstinent because I have not done my alcoholic foods and, um, but I think there's probably like the road becomes more narrow. Um, and yeah, distracted by my phone. I'm sorry. I should have turned that on silent, but anyway, I won't take any more time. Thank you so much. Um, this is just beautiful meeting. I didn't even know that this existed, so I'll be back for sure. Thank you, Leslie. Mia. They're going to let you unmute. There you go. Okay. Thank you, Susan. Hi, I'm Mia, compulsive overeater from Lexington, Massachusetts. I have to tell you, I'm so glad to be here. I'm truly, truly grateful. Um, and it always amazes me how three hours can just go really, really quickly. You know, I mean, yeah, you know, it's just, it's just amazing. I really want to thank um, everybody for your service. Aliyah, Michelle, um, Terry, Jen, Susan. Um, I was moved by all of you uh, at different times, at different moments. And um, I'm, I'm just grateful for the reminder that there was, this was happening so that I'm here. And um, cause I had, had kind of been in a, in a place of, I don't feel like doing anything today. Um, like nothing. Um, I'm just getting over COVID. We've had COVID in the house for the last two weeks. My wife has it, my kids have it. And it's just, it's just been a kind of a crazy time. And um, I was feeling a little sorry for myself today. You know, I was just like, yeah, I was feeling a little sorry. My wife is going to be away for the next two weeks. And, um, you know, and in my disease brain, I'm like, oh, there's not going to be anybody around, you know, you know, and I'm just like, oh, well, yeah, you're, you're on dangerous territory, your girlfriend. Um, so I, I don't like sharing. I just don't. Um, and uh, I know that I need to, um, because when I don't, that's when I start to retreat, you know, and uh, I got those little messages going, you know, you just need to just say what's on your mind, say thank you, I'm glad this meeting was here, thank you everybody for your service, and just, just be real, and just be honest about where you're at, you know, and that's okay, so um, I'm very grateful to be here, I thank you all, and uh, with that I'll pass. Thank you, Mia. Okay, zooming back over to my neighborhood, Lita. Thank you, Susan, and thank you, everyone, giving your service here today, and thank you, everyone, for being here today. Um, I didn't know about the existence of this workshop going on today until I checked my phone after I had lunch, and I thought to myself, I'm not really sure that I necessarily um, need to go to this workshop, but I went to a meeting last night where I was really triggered enough to go to an in-person meeting this morning, followed by a couple of hours by a fellowship. And I thought, I have a 5 p.m. meeting today. I'm probably good. And I thought, oh, look, here's yet another invitation to this workshop. I think I'm really supposed to be here. And I am so, so grateful for being here because last night after a meeting, I was in a very dark place. And I don't belong in really dark places. And just all the wisdom, all the experience, strength, and hope that's here 
just makes my program so much stronger and better. I'm so grateful to everyone. I'm so grateful to the people that reach out to me that let me know that these things are going on. And I just can't say enough. Yeah, three hours. There were other things that didn't get to, done. It's okay. They can make it on the list for tomorrow. I'm here, and this is where I was supposed to be. Thank you all. Yes, you were, Lita. Okay, Sherry followed by Eileen, and then I think we might be done. We'll see where we are. Go ahead, Sherry. Friends, uh, my name is Sherry. I'm a compulsive overeater and bulimic. Uh, just going to do my little duty here of lowering how hand and stuff. Um, I just wanted to, yeah, uh, well, two things I wanted to make a comment and then I'll throw off the question. Uh, the comment is to say thank you so much to all of the speakers today. This is the whole reason why I volunteer with this meeting. Um, there's been a number of occasions where we haven't had enough volunteers uh, to carry on and have put out a call asking for help and we have had a couple people come forward and that is the whole reason we were able to continue and I really did not want this um, the OA Rise meetings to go away because this is exactly what happens there is very very there it just hasn't been actually I was gonna say there's barely a meeting where I haven't walked away with something every single time we have these meetings there is just such an immense amount of recovery that comes and today is not an exception and I got so much out of every speaker so thank you thank you thank you for taking the time to come um and I suppose with that I will also put out there we still need volunteers <laughs> so if you would be willing to come and help us we just um generally need someone to help uh, run the zoom and if you haven't done zoom before we teach you it's very simple we have enough people to sort of do um, that we each do a little bit and it's uh, generally only once a month that we need help um, from people so please let me know in the chat if you are willing to do service here uh, so then down to my question and that is um, uh, I've been here for many many years 28 years now so I've been in uh, OA longer than I um, have been out of OA in terms of um, half my life and I have come to this place over for a while now where my anxiety is really starts to take over and especially at night with nighttime eating and I get this incredible anxiety when I am hungry and it's like I'm not willing to be hungry and go to bed it's like I'm not willing to have that anxiety and then have problems falling asleep because I feel so hungry that emptiness and I know that so much of that's in my head you know um, and so I'm just not willing to go to bed and be hungry. I'm just not willing. Is there anything that has anybody, uh, any of the other speakers had that sort of experience where there's that absolute unwillingness and some way that they work through that? Obviously, I know God is the answer, but it's like this wall and I just can't get past it. So I don't know if anybody has any experience to share around that. And I hope I was sort of clear in, in my description of that. Thanks. Jen, did you want to respond? I saw you unmute. No. Well, I didn't. I didn't have the. I had the opposite anxiety. Um, so I had the anxiety of I didn't want to eat, 
right? And I, I remember sitting in front of my sponsors one day and the, the, the bedevilments I talked about earlier were kind of like running a little bit rampant. And so at the time, like we pulled out the MyFitnessPal app where I tracked all my food and information about what I had been eating throughout the day. And um, it was opposite. Like I wasn't getting enough to eat. So I was experiencing anxiety, depression, unreasonableness, fear, resentment, everything to the extreme, right? Because I wasn't eating enough calories. And all, all, the, my, all, all of these guys had to look at me across the table from me and say was, eat everything on your food plan or we're done sponsoring you. Like it was that easy. Like I either have to be willing to do what's put in front of me or I don't. So, you know, I hear that you're saying that you're anxious and you're whatever those feelings and that anxiety for me had led to the fact that I was under eating. So I don't know if that correlates with the, you wanting to eat at nighttime, um, but just maybe um, take it back to your sponsor and, and look really clearly at your um, abstinent foods and your list. Um, Cause what is that anxiety that it's bringing on? And then the other thing is we talked about on page 133 today, if it's not something that can be solved through the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous, you might have to seek an outside source. So sometimes we don't eat enough. Sometimes we're still eating and we haven't given up all those alcoholic food and food ingredients. And we're still, you know, like holding on to stuff. And so we're not getting the full freedom of neutrality that this program offers and this 12 step way of life is. So I don't know. I don't know if that helps or not. Feel free to call me too. Thanks. I appreciate hearing the um, freedom and neutrality. That, that's a good reminder. That's exactly what the steps bring is a neutrality around food. And I, I appreciate hearing that, thanks. I can tack on a little bit uh, for this as well. Uh, that was very similar to my experience. I have an anxiety disorder. I, I have obsessive compulsive disorder as well. And for me, uh, I learned very early on that food calmed, calmed the nerves, right? Like I still had the anxiety, but it calmed it. And when I put it down, it was like a smack in the face. And I, it took me a really, it took me quite a minute to uh, get to the place where my discomfort with my food overpowered that anxiety. And I uh, just wanted to let you know, some of the stuff that I did was I did not do it alone. You know, really, it comes that simple. Um, when I was getting clean, when I was detoxing in this program from food, when the anxiety was coming up and, and to what Jen said, it says it right in the book. Sometimes we need outside help and we have a responsibility to take care of our physical body as well. Um, and sometimes that means per professional care outside of these rooms. But I will say from a tool perspective and getting through that discomfort, I relied on my fellows. I never did anything that someone didn't know about, right? So if there was a certain time of day for me, lunchtime, lunchtime is my, my demon hour. It always has been lunchtime. I want to go crazy. I want to order food. I want to binge. So what do I do at lunchtime? I have a scheduled call. I set it up the day before. I bookend my lunch. I put the things in place, right? Be willing to go to any lengths to protect what is most important, which is our recovery, and also to bring in higher power, which actually is most important. So um, also happy to talk through any time. Thanks. Thanks, Michelle. Thank you, Michelle. Okay, Eileen. 
they'll let you unmute and then you'll be there you go hi i'm eileen compulsive overeater vomiter and i too for total i've been to oa rise i completely forgot about this and got a text and went oh just hop on like i had other things i was going to do today you know what do you mean come to another meeting i've already been to a step you know and um and i am so grateful i got on i heard a little bit of michelle and then oh my gosh you know was able to hear um jen and terry and um wow you know and and i didn't want to share because i thought i i don't you know i don't have as much i compare my compare and despair came up like I'm not working it the way everybody else is. I'm not doing, I'm not, you know, I don't know all the chapters in the book. I don't know. And it's like, you know what? That's fear. And I love Susan that for a moment you put up the bedevil once again. Um, while, while Sherry was asking a question and I looked at those and I'm like, okay, take a deep breath. And God is doing for me what I could not do for myself. You know, I haven't thrown up in four years. That's a flipping miracle compared to me. I was vomiting 50 times a day. I didn't keep an ounce of food in my body from 1989 to 2018. I mean, and that was in program that was in these rooms and I couldn't stop. And, and I intuitively know how to handle situations that used to baffle me. I had a situation recently that I had to make a decision and I turned to God and I prayed and God said, you will know peace when the decision is right. And I didn't believe it. I did not believe it. I'm like, yeah, right, whatever, God, sure. And I did, I did. I felt that peace. And God said, everything, the logistics will line up when it's right. And it did. And, and when I forget that God is present in my life, I get to remember the times that God really showed up. And then I go, wait a minute, baby girl. Of course, God's in your life. Of course, you have your recovery. Compare and despair. You don't get to, to compare, you know, compared to you. That's all I can do is compared to me. I'm a miracle. And everyone in this room, I mean, oh my God, Terry, if you can do what you've done, you know, I can do that too. And Jen and Susan and everybody that is given service in this room, I give a lot of service and I forget that, you know, that I too have a voice and I have recovery and, you know, my life is a miracle today. It's, I don't know what's going to happen in 20 minutes, but I know that right now I'm abstinent right now. I see all of you and I know all of you are abstinent and I feel the love in this room and I know I deserve it. And I deserve to, you know, I deserve, I, <laughs> thank you, Jen. and you know, that my higher power works in my life you know, and through the hard things, through the easy, whatever, I just need to keep turning it over and hitting my knees every day. And if I forget, God reminds me and I go back into my bedroom and I hit my knees because that's the way I need to start my day. So thank you to everyone. Thanks for the fellow that sent me the link. And um, I'm so grateful that I was here and um, blessings to everybody. Thank you. Thank you, Eileen. Well, thank you, OA Rise, so much for inviting us today. And I think we'll pass it back over to you to close. Thank you again. Thank you. Okay. Thank you to Susan. Oh, I remember everybody. Aaliyah, Michelle, Jen. And Terry, ah, thank you. I should have had it written down, but 
for being our speakers today. It was wonderful to have you with us and we appreciate your sharing your experience, strength and hope while giving service to the OA program. Together we get better. A reminder that the opinions expressed here today are those of the individual members and do not represent OA as a whole. Please remember to honor our commitment to each other's anonymity, take the stories, but leave the names behind. OA Rise's goal is twofold. One goal is to provide speaker meetings and recordings to support OA members. The second goal is to support the World Service Office. We will post the seven tradition contribution information one more time in the chat. Please give what you are able so we can continue to keep OA Rise going. Lastly, OA Rise continues to look for members who are willing to give service at the meeting. We are always looking for speakers or perhaps speaker suggestions, as well as members who would be interested in joining our committee and those who could volunteer once a month to help run the Zoom meeting. No previous Zoom experience is necessary. If you are willing to be of service, please send a message to one of our co-hosts. Thank you everyone for being with us today. After we close the meeting, we will open up the chat for a short period of time, and you can unmute yourselves if you'd like to connect with others. Please join us for another wonderful share of experience, strength, and hope at our next speaker meeting on May 15th. We hope to see you there. After a moment of silence, we will close with, I believe, a vision for you. Susan, are you planning to read that? Sure, I can do that, no problem. I was just making my donation. I'll remember to click the final <laughs> button when I've read it. <laughs> okay, here we go. Page 164. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Keep coming back. Thank you.